What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Protein Bros Podcast. We are your hosts, Jeff and Kyle. Today, we have a very special guest on our podcast. His name is Jared Ragsdale. He's one of the owners of Nutrithority as well as Supplement Giant in Wichita, Kansas. Uh, he's been in the fitness industry since he was a little boy. His whole family has uh, been a part of the fitness industry since he was born. And uh, he's got a phenomenal story. Please tune in. Let us know what you think in the comments and appreciate you listening as always. Today on the podcast, we obviously have Jared Ragsdale. Jared is the owner of Nutrithority, which is a brand that we've carried for a long time. And uh, he's based out of uh, Wichita, Kansas, and they make really good products. And, and he's sold in a lot of uh, a lot of different supplement stores throughout the country, so, sold in Genesis, you know, here in Kansas City for a long time. And um, I mean, all Genesis locations, right? Yeah, I think it was all of them. L- yeah. Little story is, is uh, his family owns uh, Supplement Giant. Supplement Giant is the first place I ever bought supplements in my entire life. You, I walked my probably 14-year-old self into a Supplement Giant, and I said, give me the good stuff, and I don't know who it was. It might have been your mom. Did your mom used to work in yeah, the store? Yeah, she still works in the store. So your mom was like, this is the stuff right here, and I got some Inno Explode, dog. That was dog. the stuff, man. That was the stuff. This was like was probably- like Up to three scoops, 2002. Man. Yeah. Maybe or 2001, you know, exploded, just hit the market. I went home, I freaking triple scooped that because what it said <laughs> on the label is one to three scoops. I yep. said, all right, it's time to do three scoops. Did three scoops of that shit, and I was hooked on supplements ever after that. Absolutely. Yeah. That was also one of the best pre-workouts of all time. Yeah. It was great. It was great. I would take that stuff in high school, and I would just, like, sit in my chair just waiting for it to kick in. I was like, once I was vibrating, I was yeah. like, all right, it's time to go to the gym, man. I'm ready. That had it to was, have been in, like, 03, 04. Yeah, no sometime way. around there. Yeah. You, guys, you guys are my age, right? Yeah. Like, I'm thir- I turned 35. Yeah, yeah I'm 34. I'm about to turn 36. Okay. Yeah. The, uh, the, the, the crazy thing about Inno Explode was it was the first time in my life that I'd had that amount of caffeine and then also first time ever t- taking beta alanine. Yeah. So, like, you're tingly and you also have more, you could run through a wall and you've never experienced that before. Yep. They just hit the nail on the head with that because it was, like, such a freaking mega dose of caffeine. I mean, looking back on it, it probably was like three or 400 milligrams of caffeine, yeah. you know, and it was just insane. I mean, for a long time you came in the store and all we had was, you know, explode and super pump 250. And yeah. it was, I mean, there was a few other things here super and there, dump. but yeah, super, super dump for yeah. sure. Dump yeah. 250. Yeah. So tell us what yeah. it was like. Uh, I guess you have a totally different perspective on, on, uh, the fitness industry because you basically grew up in it. Yeah. Um, give us an idea as to what it was like growing up with a family that owned a retail supplement store and um what as well like, as fitness equipment yeah, yeah. as well you as know? fitness equipment well they opened the store when i was two it was 1990 and so my brothers and i we hung out in the back room every day we had two bean bags uh i think a super nintendo and a cable box and we would just hang out back there and we had a pretty much perfect setup though. it was i mean it was yeah. pretty awesome and then yeah. i mean we we were right next to like a grocery store called Dylan's. Oh yeah. So, we're familiar. I mean, we just make our way over to Dylan's. I mean, it was just a quick walk. So I went over to Dylan's and I'd screw around all the time. I would get 26 cents a day that my dad would give me to get one piece of candy that I could go over to Dylan's and get a piece of candy every day. And so Amazing. I do that. But, um, some good memories there. Yeah. No, one of my favorite is my mom talks, but I don't remember this, but I was in the back and I must've gone to the bathroom and it was just me and her and she was with an equipment customer, you know, treadmills or something doing a treadmill presentation and, you know, 
$2,000 treadmill or something. And I'm in the mm. back room just screaming, mom, come wipe me. Mom, come <laughs> oh. wipe me. Like, couldn't wipe my own ass yet. Yeah. So that's, that's where I grew up. And so, yeah, I mean, I grew up with the bodybuilding magazines. I grew up with, you know, my dad worked out. We had a gym in our basement I mean, I had fitness equipment everywhere. I yeah. went to trade shows for fitness equipment. You know, I had met a lot of the like Jay Cutler and people like that. I met pretty, early. I met Jay Cutler at your uh, rock road location, dude. Oh, okay. That was in like t- 2005 or maybe six. No, it wasn't us. That was, that was affordable supplements. Oh, was they're it? at a, I think they're out of business now. Good was job, Kyle. Really? They Good moved. job, Kyle. Sweet memory. Yeah, was fail, it right Kyle? by no. you guys? It was right. They, they moved in right across the street from us. Uh, and so they originally had been. My bad. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. That's all right. We People had Ronnie that. Coleman at one of ours. In two, yeah. That was 2012. You probably weren't around in no, 2012. But we had Ronnie Coleman and we've had Phil Heath and we had people like that. But that's yeah, awesome, dude. Yeah, Jay, I met Jay at one of the at one of the the expo events. You know, just he was there with like Sheik, I think. You know, the, the wrist WWE rap. WWE guy? Jake. <laughs> Sheik? <laughs> no, the, the, the company. Iron the Sheik? Company. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's and crazy, man. I was emailing that dude when I was like 14 years old, too. I was like, hey, Jay, how do I get my, my shoulders and my triceps? I just, they're not cut like I want them to be. Like, what do I do? And dude always responded to me. He was very nice. Are you kidding me? Always. That's really. amazing. Cuts280 at cox.net. That was his email address. No kidding. Yeah. And I'd email him all the time, and he emailed me back. Cuts280. Cuts280. Yeah, that was his email. And I, I can still go back. Like I've got my email from that and I can still go read those messages I sent. How fun, stuff. man. Even when I was, I was in college and he won the, the Mr. Olympia like yeah. the first time and I, I came home and I was like wasted, you know, it was one of those nights and I was like, Oh, Jay Cutler won. Yeah. He won Mr. Olympia. So I'm like, I got to hit him up. I was like, Jay, congrats, Good man. Good congrats, job. You did it. You did it. I knew you could do it. And then, you know, I read it. I read it now and I'm like, Oh God, that's embarrassing. Well, but that was cool. You know, you, is well, that where you got your, uh, your love for bodybuilding? Because, you know, for those who are listening, like you're, you were a very big into bodybuilding you um are you still a prep coach currently or no. you still have clients no for clients. a long time yeah. you were a prep coach and um you know when i thought about wichita bodybuilding i thought about you for the longest time well, thanks mm-hmm. um, 316 fit 316 yeah. business yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so um is that kind of the era i mean dude it's not hard to get into bodybuilding when jay cutler's replying to your emails. true true <laughs> yeah no it was i was interested you know it's a it's a combination right i think it's a combination of growing up in the industry seeing these guys and what they looked like and my own massive insecurities about the way that i looked right and i think mm-hmm. that's a lot of people that are getting into working out especially bodybuilding and things like that it's just covering up something they don't want to deal with anyway, right? But that was that was definitely like the introduction to it was my dad worked out, my dad was in shape, he had big arms, he had a big chest, like he was he was the first influence there. And then all the magazines and all the guys like Jay Cutler, that was it. Yeah. For sure. So you're, you're that started unique, early. You're in this like unique spot, dude. Like it's so it's so interesting to think about your story because not only have you grown up in this culture and this environment since you can remember. Yeah. Literally. And you're the only person I know that I could talk to that's done that. Yeah. Just so you know. Nice. Um, so it's, I just, your perspective has got to be so awesome. And so with that being said, you guys have also as a family in some way, shape or form, I feel like have at least monetized almost every single Avenue you possibly could outside of maybe owning a gym. Have you guys done that yet? No, we thought about it. We thought about it. I Cause I was going to say like you guys, I mean, your wife and you even do the tanning for, for we, local competitions, we did. right? Yep, did we did the tanning there. You've done the health coach yep. side of things, diet coaching, you guys do meal prep, yep. supplements, supplements, um, fitness equipment. Yep. Um, is there anything I'm missing? No, I think that's it. Which is just incredible. Yeah. Out of those avenues, is there one that you like totally would say, hey, like buyer beware? Buyer beware. Um, tanning. 
for sure. Tanning is yeah. the one. Where yeah. do people lose all their money? Um, paying the sponsorship fees. Okay. So yeah. like for you to be the official tanner. To be the of official event? tanner. I made less money than when I was the unofficial tanner. Wow. Yeah. They were charging me like 1500 bucks a show. And when there's only like 50 competitors in a show, like you're not making that money back very easily. So. I thought you wow. were going to say that it was just a pain in the ass. It's not worth doing. Cause it's also a huge pain in the ass. Yeah. It's not worth doing. But yeah. I mean, if, if the shows were really big and there was a lot of competitors, it seemed like whenever I was doing 316 Fit, um, it was a very exciting time yeah. in the bodybuilding industry, especially like local NPC shows. They were really climbing. There was... It was, there was drama, you know, coach versus coach, you sure. know, team versus team. The advent of uh, the bikini division and bikini the physique and division. Physique, for yeah. sure. Like, those were huge. And so it was really exciting. The teams were really big. And I kind of transitioned towards the end of prep coaching to Nutri Authority. And my wife kind of transitioned to doing this tanning thing. It was just kind of an opportunity that fell in our laps. Like, we were going to do it because... I had clients and I was going to offer them another service that would one, it would be cheap for them and two, it would make me money. Like it was a win win. And then we got You're like totally vertically integrated. Yeah, completely. And so then we got, we actually got hit up by uh, Jantana, the the owner of the, the spray that we were using. Right. And she's like, why don't you go after the sponsorship for these shows and I'll help you. And I was like, All okay, right, I'll do it. Sure. Like we'd only tanned like 20 people at that point in time, but I went after it. Chad and Kim had the shows. I talked to them. I'd known them from coaching. And so I was like, Hey, I'd like to throw my hat in the ring and I'm serious about this. And, we got it the next year. So Very it was cool. great. It was a great learning experience. It's a lot of fun. My wife loved doing it. Not the prep for it. Knock my, knock my microphone over, but not the prep for it. Like the traveling and the, the preparing, like we have our, our big you know, Mercedes sprinter van that we do treadmill deliveries and things. And I would borrow that to drive all the tanning shit up to Kansas city or St. Louis or wherever it was. So sure. that part was, was a nightmare. And set up, you know, you're kind of like Dexter with your plastic everywhere yeah, for the yeah. most part. So that, you know, that's, that's a grind for sure. And they're long days. Like you're getting up at 4 a.m. to start for, you know, tanning people and things. So. They're long what for do you people think? to just stand at the table, like sure, myself, <laughs> but not having to get up at four. Yeah. My gosh, miserable. Yeah. yeah. I kind of, I kind of agree with you on the fact that like there was that time period where it seemed like, you know, bodybuilding and, and NPC shows were kind of, uh, there was more drama to them, more exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, and I do feel like that's, that's somewhat fell off in, in recent years. What do you think the contributing factor is to that? Like, do you have an opinion on it? You know, I think, I think the, I got a lot of thoughts on that. <laughs> I, in Wichita, at least, I don't know the the, camaraderie team versus team kind of thing really just isn't as strong. And I think that's mm -hmm. what fueled people. It was like, it was fun, like our team versus their team. And like, you're all together. And I think that was a big part of it for the most part. And I, I'm competitive by nature and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a thorough guy. So like everybody that got on stage, I was going to make sure looked fantastic. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it was fun to win. You yeah. Know? And so I won, like there was one, it was a Wichita show. So I'm automatically going to have more, more competitors in it, but there was like a hundred people in the show. I had 25 of them on stage. So wow, I had a quarter of the show. Awesome. And then every single person, I want to say every single division, like bodybuilding, bikini, whatever, I won the overall with one of my clients. Yeah. And so I had all of them except for one. And I think it was actually bikini that I lost the overall. I didn't lose, but you know, mm -hmm. totally. When, you're, when yeah. your athletes did. And I think yeah. that speaks to exactly what, you know, my thoughts were on it. It's just, you're exactly right. There's, there used to be these team aspects of each one of these shows where you would have team versus team, mm -hmm. you know, ego versus ego, which is fine. It's great for the sport, yeah. you know? Um, and like gym versus gym sometimes even. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I think that with the advent of, of people, you know, slowly but surely trusting more and more um, random coaches you find on Instagram or online, mm -hmm. 
you just don't have that atmosphere anymore. Yeah. Now people are just totally okay with not having any kind of representation at their shows yeah. to help them. You know, they're always, it's like, it seems like at the end of the day, they're scrambling for somebody local to like check on their, you know, their, their, their posing or check on their, you know, how they're going to do their, their peak week, yeah. you know? But like, it just seems to be so many more uh, athletes these days are not going with a local coach. Yeah. Maybe, you know, social media was, was still popular then Instagram, there weren't stories and things. So, you know, kind of dating the era a little bit, there weren't sure. stories. And I think that changes things quite a bit. And I think it's really pushed people online for training where they're not looking for the local guy. They're looking for either who's the best bang for my buck. Who do mm-hmm. I think is a really good person? Maybe they're an influencer. Sure. And they end up hiring somebody that Affiliate with a brand that they aspire to be like. Yeah, or they're they're with a brand that they like or something like that. So I do Mm. think that's a lot of it. People are just spreading out more. Correct. And that's, you know, it's great for some people's business and not for others. But yeah, really, I I think it, um, it, it's definitely played a role in in local fitness. For sure. You know, for sure. And not as many competitors. And I think also at the same time as we were doing this, like people were transitioning more to these online coaches and so forth at the same time as promoters were starting to come up with more shows, especially on the natural side of things. Yeah. To where it's like now there's, you know, 27 shows in every area every yeah. year in some capacity. Well, so some one, of them aren't even sanctioned of any, like we have a few here, I think every year um, that just have their own trophies, yeah. you know, and their own, like it's me not versus me or something. There you go. Yeah. Me versus me. There was another like, Oh, with an O another like organization. Yeah. That was there's just another like one. brand new. Yeah. But yeah, I'm like, man, just feels like we're diluting it quite a bit. So there's that's, that's a big part of it. I think also there is a big part of how many people they pushed with pro cards. If you think about how easy it was for people to get a pro card, it's really just and the IPE. Are we talking? Are we I'm talking, talking NPC, NPC, like NPC, IFBB pro. I mean, so they've been the throwing way, pro cards out. Oh yeah. The way that you, so the way that you go through this, you have to qualify nationally. So you have to win or get second place in a national qualifier. Then you can go to the, the national show. And if you win the national show and a lot of them, if you get second place, you still get a pro card. Yeah. And so a lot of it's, you know, two pros per class. Bikini class has how many different height divisions? A, B, C, D, E, F. I mean, you're already at, you know, 12 pro cards just for that. Then you go into every single division. Then you do this four times a year. And all Mm -hmm. of a sudden, I mean, bodybuilding's not that big. There's not thousands and thousands and thousands of people that are doing every show. Sure. So slowly but surely, they're taking this big group of people that are competing on the local level. They're pushing them national immediately because the allure of turning pro is what they're after. Of course, of course. And even competing on a national stage is cool. Yeah. Yeah, before they're ready. Like, it used to be that you had to win the overall to go pro. Totally. And then it, then it was that you had to win first. And then they kind of like diluted it again to, well, if you won second, then you were pro. And right? there's still shows where I thought you have to get first. Is that actually I think there's correct? still, I think it might be the team universe. Because I know there's, because I was thinking the first or second, right? Yeah. And somebody I knew uh, had gotten second. And I was like, yeah. oh, so you still got pro card. They're like, no, dude. That might have been by one point. Yeah, it might be juniors. Junior USA, USA's and junior nationals. Mm-hmm. But is that Pittsburgh? <sighs> or Carolina, maybe? Yeah, I don't remember. One of them's, I think, Junior USA's might be Vegas, and, and then the other one, is, I think Carolina. Mm-hmm. Somebody's somebody's going to listen to this and know that I'm completely wrong. So <laughs> that's I okay. No, I have no. It's idea. okay. I, I also know that we're, world. we're diluting the yeah, we're diluting the pro. It's just you know, it's it's sad but cool for other people, of course. Yeah, as it's well. great. But the problem is that these people turn pro, and it's not that they were qualified to be pro. It's that you, if you play your cards enough times and you put the opportunity out there, you might get lucky, and people may not show up to that show that you did, especially if. You know, a lot of them are turning pro. So the guys that turned pro last year, they're not going to be there. So it's a whole new batch. And so these people were turning pro, but not actually competitive on a pro stage. Yeah, completely. Yeah. So once they turn pro, they're out. But and once they get bitten by the national bug too, they're out of the local shows. Mm-hmm. They do one local show, 
they qualify again, they head to nationals. Right. And so I think that was kind of what's diluted a lot of the local shows. For yeah. The most part. I, and, I, and I would say like, it, at least in Kansas city, which is the only, the only real knowledge I have on this subject, but um, there were some guys last year, dude, that went out to like the all stars. Mm-hmm. Right. And just surprised the hell out of people. I mean, yeah. like, dude, that dude from Springfield showed up and just like looked ridiculous. I yeah. forgot his name, but we had some people that we were really eyeing for the overall that we thought were going to win it. And this dude just comes out and it's like you said, it's whoever shows up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And this dude shows up and just takes the show from everybody. Those and I was lines. like, Oh, you're talking about Austin dude. He's not from Springfield. But I thought he was training with uh, Chad Nichols, right? Uh, Down in Springfield. He was training at rage. I thought, I don't know. We might be thinking about different people, but yeah, I mean, there's, Anyway, the dude was a super freak. He, yeah. was, he, he looked there, incredible. He what I was going to say, yeah. though, is that, you know, in our generation growing up, there it was it was more common to run into a guy, you know, who was 235 and interested in being 260, 270. 100%. And mm-hmm. now, like, if I run into a guy that's young trying to do that, it, they're like a crazy. It's like, what What are you trying to do? Super, you know? ni- super niche. Super, For super sure. niche. Yeah, um, yeah the, the, the bodybuilding physique that we all looked up to. I don't know if you guys looked up, but I looked totally, up to so heavily, totally. you know, is dead at this, at this point. Like they're the freak show. Yeah. They exist for that point, you know, of the Olympias and the freaks and things, but they're not the ones selling supplements in the magazines or selling supplements and yeah, media. Yeah. Right, Chris Bumstead's massive. If yes. people understood, like yes. they look at him, they're like, "That's attainable." Yeah, and I'm like, "Ah, oh, if you saw him in person, no. you have no idea how big that dude is." No, <laughs> he's ridiculous. still very big. Yes, yes. for, yeah. for uh, looking tall like a, as well. a natural, you yeah. know, kind of guy, he yeah. looks a lot better. That's yeah. the that's the classic physique, right? So, which I, I think is cool. I'm glad that we're cool. bringing that back. You know, I'm yeah. glad the classic physique is is as popular as it is because I think that is mm-hmm. uh, the healthier way of doing this for sure, without for sure. a doubt. So. Yeah. What's the uh, what was Ziz's big thing? I was about to say anything <laughs> you clean? can make you can make a lot of things unhealthy I for mean, sure. But what does, was his? What was that like? Is that aesthetics? What was this like? Yes. Yeah. Like that was just the craze of that became a thing. It was Ziz, just like yeah. Uh, yeah yeah. I remember that. This is uh, we can't even this say like this word on this podcast. I will say the f word, but I won't say I see you next Tuesday. But yeah. Yep. He was yeah man that I mean that guy obviously died uh you know his see but, but hold on here's the thing so you know we're all the same age when I first saw that guy I was like why who gives a crap about this guy because yep. he's not he's not jacked yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. completely I was like this guy's small like why why he is looks like, like Kyle like, right now yeah, yeah he, looked, probably, <laughs> he might weigh less than I did right, yeah. I do he right might now. have he, yeah. was not, he was not a big guy yeah. at all the, yeah, yeah the, but the craze of like dudes getting like unbelievably shredded but weighing one sixty yeah was yeah. nuts after that. It was. Mm-hmm. It was. And it was yeah, like, oh, sure. man. Everybody else was like on a race to get 200 pounds. And yeah. now everybody's like, no, no, no. I'm just going to see how many abs I can get. Yep. Wild so, times. So what made you want to get out of uh, doing the uh, prep for like shows? Um, I know that I know that you're busy with uh, Nutra Authority. Obviously, yeah. building a brand, I would guess, takes quite a bit of uh, effort and time. It does. <laughs> it does. Yeah. You know, I was at a crossroads really with I was doing Nutra Authority and trying to build the brand. And I was also coaching on the side and I was really trying to live two different lives and I couldn't do both of them at a, at a hundred percent. Right. You know, I started to notice that my dedication to my clients started to slip. You know, I was slower to answer my emails. I didn't care as much. You know, I found them, you know, less, less entertaining. Fulfillment. Less fu- yeah. Less fulfillment. Yeah. One and was so, taken from the other. And yeah. And so at a certain point I was just like, I'm done. You know, I can't, I can't keep doing this one because that's not the business that I want to run. You know, I don't want to coach people half-assed because that's not how I do things. 
And I can't give this the effort. And if I'm really being honest, like there's way more potential with Nutrithority than there ever was with coaching. For sure. I was always, you know, pigeonholed into my time, right? Mm -hmm. With three and six fit, if you're the coach, you can only work with so many clients, but you know, how many bottles I sell is not determined by my working hours. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So that was ultimately the, the real decision maker on that one was that I could go further, but I look back every once in a while through and six of it was fun. You can work any time of the day from a laptop most of the time. Cause I was coaching most people online all the time. And so I could have been working, you know, an hour here, go do stuff, go work an hour later. And then what are probably, you probably three hours a day is probably always, I was ever really yeah. working for three and six of it with your brothers. They, they are obviously, um, you have two older brothers yep. for everybody listening. And, um, I'm the baby. Yeah. And how much younger are you than your oldest? Uh, five years. Okay. Yeah. Five to six years on Jason and then Ryan's four. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was six and a half younger than my, my older brother. And it was just a weird dynamic because they're like in school years, right? Like they're going to college while you're in sixth grade. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they were a senior when you were like in sixth grade. Yeah. Jason, Jason graduated in 2000 and I graduated in 06. Yeah, so, we're the exact same. Yeah, yeah. two thousand and six. Yeah, I was mm-hmm. in middle school, and he graduated, and he was like going off to college, and it was weird, right? So, like, for what I'm saying is, like, uh, did you find it like for you to like find your own place within the family, as far as within, because everybody works within the company, yeah, right, yeah. Is that what you were passionate about in your authority? Was there, that play a role at all in you wanting to find your own identity within the, within the company? Yeah, it definitely, it definitely did. Um, some of it I like to think of as just a, the initiative that comes with it. Like Nutri authority wasn't my baby originally by any means. It was everybody's, you know, the, the first product we released was protein and Jason was just as much involved, if not more involved than I was on, on that launch. Um, but eventually I just wanted to keep formulating. And so I would keep formulating, keep testing products, keep releasing new products. And that's what I did in the stores whenever I was working at supplement giant, you know, 2008 or something like that. Um, you know, in between customers, I was on bodybuilding forums, reading, you know, different posts and chatting with people, trying to learn everything I could one about bodybuilding. Cause I was obsessed, mm-hmm. but two about supplements. And so I would do that with supplements too. And then I would do that when a customer came in and I didn't know an ingredient, I would walk over to the computer and I would, add, I mean, even straight up to them, Hey man, I actually don't know that ingredient. Give me a few minutes and I'll familiarize myself. And I can tell you more if you're really interested in that one ingredient, which was pretty obscure if I didn't know. Sure. And then I would go back and I'd say, Hey, here's, well, here's what I know. Here's the dosage it should be. Here's, you know, what it does. Here's all this stuff. And just accumulation of time and, and expertise over time just gave me kind of a base in supplements that my own interest kind of took off from there. And so it was really more of just, I wanted to do it. So I was just, I just did it for the most part. That was such a fun time, dude. Mm-hmm. Bodybuilding.com forums. Yep. Like it was, it was such a, you know, the internet was still relatively new and in, in transfer of information on the internet, you know, especially in the bodybuilding community. It's like, I remember reading, you know, early Lane Norton, you know, articles mm-hmm. back then and he used to post on there. Yeah. There's so many, so many different people now that I look back on and I'm in, you know, like Paul Carter lives here in, in yeah. Kansas city and I used to read his stuff on T nation yep. and, um, it's just funny. So, lift run bang or something. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Now yeah. it's like, you know, you get on Instagram and, and every, every, basically every post that I read that regarding, you know, something revolving around fitness, I've read that same post like a million times yes. over. Very and convoluted. So it's, yeah. it's, it's fun to think back to those times cause you're reading all that t- stuff for the first time. And now yeah. it's like unique information is like, it's very hard to find. Yeah. Everything's, everything's out there. Correct. Yeah. I you mean, wonder what, you know, like, uh, the younger generation is looking up to yeah. as far as like, who are their go-to sources. Right. Yeah. Cause talk. it's just so much out there. Yeah. And so, uh, I'm with you guys. And like the part that I thought was so cool is when you're looking these things up, it was through the lens of like, 
how to get jacked. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was through the lens. I of, wanted to be jacked. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. Like, let it me was, understand these for myself. Correct. But it, that, that fed the customers and that fed the, the business. Right? Nowadays, it seems like there's just, um, for every article you find that says like, Hey, this is how this works. There's yeah. this three more articles that will tell you how you should never buy that. Yeah. I don't know if you're ever going to get away from that. Right? And so, yeah, but it, like back then it just felt like I could, there was like only a handful of sources that yeah. you could go to and find this information relatively quick. And it was all through the lens of bodybuilding purposes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Very cool time. It so, was. So, you know, you kind of gave us a brief uh, overview of like uh, the, the origin story of, of Nutrithority to, you know, try and get, give us an idea as to, you know, the, the hurdles that you guys had to overcome early on uh, when you guys started the brand and, and basically how you guys decided that you were going to take the brand. Was the brand always meant to go outside of Supplement Giant? Um, yeah, yeah. It was always meant to sell outside of Supplement Giant. Um, you know, the brand was always kind of twofold for us, right? One of them was that we saw kind of the products that were on the market and we wanted something different, right? Yeah. You know, there's good brands, but they don't fill every gap that mm -hmm. we like, and they're not specifically the way we want them to be. And so we created the products we wanted to use, I wanted to use, you know, the products that I wanted to recommend to my friends, my family, <coughs> sorry. And that was, that was a really exciting part of it too. But then there's also like, you know, protecting your business and things like that too. That was also a factor that went into the equation is like, if you have a brand, nobody can take that away from you. Nobody can ruin built that in brand for exclusivity. you. Yeah. Built in exclusivity. I control this brand. And so, you know, big competitors come in and they tell, you know, tell one of your brands like, Hey, we, we want the exclusive on that. Take it out of supplement giant. You can't do that with a brand that you own. So that was, that was part of it. Right. But yeah. it was also, we know we can do this better. We know we can do a great job with these products. And so that was, that was where it, kind of started from yeah. was it surreal though for you man like working the store as many years as you did like the first time putting that product on the shelf was that just the coolest thing it was pretty cool yeah it was pretty cool i even have i, I never really journaled much but i have like one app that i like filled out for like a year or something like that and it was kind of the start of the product so i can go back through there and kind of see you know, someday Where I'm going to, someday I'm going to work for this full time. Dude, and for the, for the sake of this podcast, cool. I'd love for you to share like one of those, one sure. of those journal entries. Yeah, man. Um, that'd be awesome for like that around that day. Yeah. And, uh, while you're looking at that, um, I was going to ask you about, um, specifically when it came to like growing up in the heyday, uh -huh. me and Kyle never worked for the stores when like Ephedra was like going bananas. Oh Yeah. Was it just like <coughs> we were like right at the end I, of it? I definitely <laughs> sold a Federal products when I first got the job yeah. and I sold some to Kyle as a customer. Yeah. Max Thermogenic, shout out. Uh, Max, I, <laughs> Max I Thermogenic. I stopped shopping with Jeff. I just go shop with Chris Klein because Jeff's always trying to sell me Max Thermogenic. And I'm like, dude, trying I want, to do you a favor. I, I want protein. Yeah. You're, I don't want to <laughs> quit calling me fat. <laughs> I didn't even get a, I didn't even like get a kickback or anything on that Max Thermogenic. You just either. loved it. I just loved I think it. At yeah. the time. It was also the best deal, like out of employee pricing on things. We didn't get like a crazy discount on anything. Yeah. Like that product specifically. 20 bucks, yeah. which I didn't know probably that they bought for like $3. Yeah. Yeah. We did. I, I worked in there when there was a Fedra, but a Fedrin had been pulled out. Sure. Right. So you had sure. the Fedra extract, which was never, never quite the same. It didn't work the same, but yeah, Fedrin, I kind of missed the boat. So that's like the hydroxy cut and the Xenadrine and things like Gosh, that. Gosh, you know that what? Was, when I was a kid, I'll never forget. Like this is like sixth grade for us. Yeah. Like go into like the mall, right. To hang out with your buddies yep. or go to the movies or whatever. And all of the Metabolife, uh, oh, yeah. like what are those called? Like this little vendor booth setups, just like the little kiosk kiosk. Yeah. But it would just be nothing but bottles of Metabolife. Yeah. And I just remember like, what is this shit? 
like man, what an easy time in supplements too, right? right? You have something that just works so well. I know for, for everybody. I mean, everybody that tried that stuff, just like fat, just melted off of yeah. them so fast. It was, so it's not it, magic, right? But no. you know, it, it was very effective. And, at you, the time. and you certainly weren't hungry. No, you were not hungry. It, 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 this is kind of off subject, and obviously, uh, we're going to have you read that, but. What do you think about the new prescription uh, medications that are coming out that are supposed to block hunger and help with weight loss? Uh, there's one that's the diabetic one that's, yep. that's brand new, right? My right. wife watches the the Real Housewives shows. She's, uh-huh. she's obsessed. She wants to do a housewife podcast, sure. actually. She, if she's listening. She should launch it, dude. Here's this, your sign. You launch it. You better, you better do it. Yeah. And uh, no, she, she watches that and they're all on it. They're all in it and they, just, they? they start dropping weight like crazy. I can't say I know too much about it. Yeah. Um, it's getting bananas. My girlfriend works at a med spa yeah. and she's telling me about it. And I was like, is it just metformin? She said it was a diabetic no, medication. No, no, no. I was yeah. like, is it just metformin? She's like, no. I, if I remember right, it, it slowed gastric em- emptying. Maybe it slows like digestion rate of food. So maybe that's part of the hunger that's not there. Keeps full, you full. It, full it was longer. So, so Andrew Huberman uh, just talked about this on Joe Rogan's podcast. Okay. And he said there was a guy who was a biologist who was studying some kind of monitor um, that never eats. Like, like eats one, once every six months or okay. something like that. Yeah. And he was really interested as to why they only eat at once every six months. And he said that there was a peptide that they basically found. And that peptide is what makes them not hungry. Yeah. Um, and it also helps with, um, I think it, it was, it was helping with some kind of providing energy, um, while in a caloric deficit okay. in some capacity. Yeah. And, um, so they, they, they found that and they basically use that peptide in this new product. And I can't remember what it's called. Um, but it's very is interesting. It, is it the Ozempic? Ozempic. Oh, yes. Oh, Ozempic. Yeah. And they, uh, but the problem is, is I believe people are losing all, like they're losing bone mass, oh, muscle really? mass, like fat mass. Like it's just like indiscriminate on like how you're losing weight. There was there was um, a picture of Jessica Simpson recently where she was like Skeletor skinny, right? <laughs> like skin falling off yeah. her face. And looking. it was I think that's what I heard. You know, I'm really not an expert in this area, my wife would tell you, but it was like she used this drug and it like causes too fast a yeah. weight loss for some people and it comes from everywhere, Gosh, you know. Dude. Just off your face too. You don't want to lose it there as much, yeah. right? Yeah, you don't lose any volume. My, my yeah. question would be like if you gave that person, you know, like, hey, you're still gonna eat a gram per pound of body weight, mm-hmm. you know, of protein. Would that still happen? That's interesting. Yeah, how much would you be able? Yeah, like if you just you know crushed essential amino acids all day every day and just would you be able to maintain muscle mass? Yeah, is that yeah? I think think you probably would. What I'm saying is like you know are these people losing just a a massive amount of uh, of of weight and it's it's indiscriminate because they don't know how to eat prior yeah. to taking it so they're just eating you know no virtually no protein as it is but yeah. if you ate more protein would it help yeah anyways gotta, i didn't gotta, know if you had any thoughts on that well you gotta wonder are these people training you know weight training resistance training trying to stimulate the muscle in the first place yeah are they eating enough protein like are they doing those two basic things i doubt it yeah. for right. the most part yeah and I, they're just regular people that are just trying to lose some weight and they're just taking this little injection or something every day whatever it is it's, yeah. a, it's an everyday injection i don't know if it's every day i know it's i'm pretty sure it's an injection i want to say like, that's what my girl that's what hannah said subcutaneous yeah. there you go Reduces blood glucose through a mechanism where it stimulates insulin secretion and lowers glucagon secretion all right man what a time! It will this turn into fin fin? That's the real. That's the real question. What's going to kill you about yeah. this in five the, to ten years? Why, right. Yeah, this is definitely going to give you cancer. But yeah. you know, for the time be being, skinny, you're right? going to look but like a like a ghost. You won't like, you won't have those chubby cheeks anymore. That's, that's right. That's what matters. Yeah. Oh man! If there is an ingredient, oh, did you find that by the way? Yeah, I got it. Let's let's uh, let's let's dive back into putting a putting a product on the shelf. And this is how many years of you working 
uh, within the store before you you guys have your own protein. This is the date on this is April 29th, 2015. So I'd been in the store for what from 2000 2008 something like that so seven eight years seven eight years somewhere in that range but hanging but i mean like in the but literally at two years old hanging out in the back of the store yeah yeah i've been i mean i, mean, I was always in the store for the most part right um i was always involved but you know long for a long time we didn't want to go into the family business right nobody sure it probably work. was not cool sure. to you at one no. point yeah no and it was also a lot of work you yeah. know you looked at my parents and they were they were chained to the store for right. the most part, you know, if they wanted to take a vacation or something like that. So, you know, we're like, we don't want to, we don't want to live like this. You know, right. it turns out we, we do yeah. live like this, you know, that's just how it goes, <laughs> but we didn't want to yeah. at the time, but that's when it was all, it was mostly fitness equipment. Supplements weren't the dominant part of it. You know, it was a little bit of supplements over on the side mm-hmm. and then around the year 2000 and then really beyond that, it, it changed to dominance of supplements more than anything else. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. All right, let's hear this. All right, so I got this is when I got our amino factor flavors in for the first time. So we released candy protein. apple, caramel apple, yeah, caramel apple, right. caramel apple. I took, apple I took dog. a picture too, right? Yeah. So it was a game changer. Yeah, I said it says in here we received our first shipment of amino factor today by Nutri Authority. Three of the four flavors have come in, and the feedback has been tremendous. I think I sold twelve or thirteen of these myself today. I know this is going to be a big hit, and so far the brand is growing incredibly well. The future is frustrating and exciting sometimes. I wish I could do this on my own and not be stifled but I have to stick whoops, stick with where I'm at for right now. I'll push for more of a lead of Nutri Authority soon and start selling it uh, on my own. And then uh, that really and happened. Here I am. Yeah. So, I so that, that was about a year before I did, I think. Yeah. That, that's the, uh, I guess, t- t- talk to us about being young and hungry in a situation where it's like you have probably influence from your parents coming in saying, yeah. hey, hold your horses. Like you probably... At that point in your life, you definitely don't understand cash flow yet because no. you haven't built up, you know, yeah. it takes a while to, to really be working in a business to understand like, okay, this is what our ordering pattern needs to be like. Yep. This is, you know, how much we need, you know, talk about that as far as, um, as far as the frustration you were feeling. Well, I mean, the, the frustration is in a family business, you know, the family decides, right? And a lot of times it's my dad more than anything else. He's kind of the leader of the family. And that's always been kind of the frustration. You're like waiting on him to pull the trigger on things. And so, you know, like Nutri-Authority's LLC. We waited on the LLC for months and months and months. And we're like, hey, man, can we get this Can we get this going? Where's this at? You know, we're ready to place this protein order. We'd already gone down to the manufacturer, toured the manufacturers, like decided on flavors, tested everything. We're like ready to pull the trigger. We need a bank account. We need, you know, our tax ID number and we need an LLC for this. Totally. And it's just not doing it, not doing it. You know, he's got other stuff going on. He just puts it off. Then finally we realized at one point in time, all he had to do was send an email to his lawyer. Like this wasn't anything big. This was a real small thing. And I think that was kind of like a a catalyst, like do it on your own. Like you can, you know, so my, my theory, and it's, it's really developed more is that, you know, I'm going to ask for forgiveness more than I'm going to ask for permission because, you know, oh, well, I'm doing something, even if it's wrong, even if I wasted money, even if I did something else, at least I'm trying something. But it took me a long time to get in that mindset because, you know, the family is so, you know, it's such a controlling kind of an atmosphere where everybody kind of falls in line yeah. in the family. Sure. And you don't There's want a to, comfort level there. Yeah, well, yeah. It's, yeah. Dude, it's also kind of weird that it's like you're talking about, you know, money, business dynamics, and then also, you know, you guys are hanging out during Thanksgiving. Yeah, you know, completely. And, and that's, tr- that's what Thanksgiving is, yeah. right? Half the time is talking business. Like, that's the downside to being in business with your family. Is totally. Just, there's no escape for the mm-hmm. most part. You have to, like, intentionally. There's no on-off switch to yeah. it. Yeah. And it's like just something comes up in conversation. Like, oh, yeah, this one thing happened, and then you start talking about business again, right? But, uh, yeah, that's, that's the downside. There's a lot of pluses, you know, I see my mom at the store. Anytime I stop by, she's still hanging out there. She works with my brother. You know, there's, you know, I talk to them probably way more than I ever would if I, if I wasn't working with them for the mm-hmm. most part. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that part's really good. And I think the biggest side of it is that, um, 
you know, when you, when you're in business, you know how to do business your way. You know, my dad knew how to run the business the way he figured out when he started in 1990, he didn't have any business experience. Uh, he'd been, you know, a stockbroker. He'd been a school, high school, uh, principal, you know, administrator, like a private school in California. He had all these different jobs, but he'd never run a business. So you have to figure that out. Once he figures out that that becomes kind of your model for how you're going to run all businesses, right? How you manage cash flow, how you manage employees, what you pay people, how you work and that kind of thing. And I think that was the hardest thing to break free from is just, I can do this differently. I don't have to do it the way it's always been done. In fact, I can try something completely new. I don't, I don't have to be chained to the store. You know, I could try different systems and different methods and things like that. And I can even look at this problem as something that I can solve long-term, you know, or something like that. So a lot of it was breaking free of, of the comfortable way to think. Not that there's anything wrong with it. It's just when you have one location and one store, you run things one way. Now we have, you know, 11 locations, Nutri-Authority, the kitchen, you know, and the fitness equipment and things like that. You have to, you have to do it completely different, you know? And so it's a growing pain in that, but that's probably the biggest, the biggest frustrations and the biggest things that I encountered were figuring out how to start this on my own. But realizing that the superpower that I got is realizing that like I'm in charge and I get to, I get to do whatever I want to figure out how to do for the most part. And I get the conversation started. I can do all of these things if I want to. And so that's kind of where I'm at. With you guys having the stores too, have you been able to uh, more or less like test market um, your products before them going to mass? Yeah, yeah. Especially in the, in the first part of the days, right? You know, when we first put them into the into the stores. You know, we didn't have anybody else, so it was just selling them to our customers. Sure. But that that was the test. Right. You know, our customers either they knew it was ours, we told them, or we didn't tell them anything. You know, at a certain point, you're kind of weary. Like, do you, do they? On one side, they don't want to buy the house brand and clothes. Yeah. On yeah. one side, people don't want to buy a house brand, but when they know you and they trust you, at the other, on the other hand, they're like, you know, you made this. No, I'll buy that if you made this. So right. there's there's two sides to it, right? But we always tested everything in the stores first, and that was when we thought that we had something really good. We're like, we knew because we tasted it, and we've tasted so many products, mm-hmm. and we've used so many products. We knew it was great. But once we got the feedback and and people were actually buying it consistently, that's when we're like, okay, we. We've Jesus got something here. The flavored or unflavored, right? Mm-hmm. There's so many different things that you guys have attempted, tried. Yeah. Um, you know, you've you've at least had formulations for. For sure. Give us an example of one of the ones where it just like crashed, just bombed, and uh, you like had such high hopes for it. Yeah, there's a there's two that come to mind. One is the orange cola candy flavor of Mr. Fusion. That okay. was I was really excited for because to me, my vision was the bottle cap candy. I wanted it to taste like a bottle cap. Love bottle so caps. I love bottle caps. Yeah. Like Wonka. I, I'll still get bottle caps, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, Dextrose, by the way. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. It's delicious. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's delicious. It's great post-workout. Yeah. yeah. So I'll, I'll still get bottle caps, and uh, that's what I wanted it to taste like. So, you know, I told the flavoring chemist, like, this is what I want it to taste like. And they gave it to us, and I was like, this is dead on. This is great. It's like, perfect. Yeah. People are going to love this. And so then we released it. just bombed, like, continuously bombed. I made sample packs. I recommended it. And people, I, part of it, I think people were afraid of the name. Uh, yeah, dude, hundred percent. All this stuff doesn't do well here. It in, doesn't. In the, have, in the having huge flavor in Canada, though. Yeah, it it was Get one of those 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 flavors that people look at and they're like, yeah, I don't know how that. You got I don't know if I would punch? like that. Fruit yeah. punch is yeah. You know what I'm saying? Downside, because right? people are like, I don't know if I've had anything that tastes like that. Yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's so. it's funny. Like in the in the heyday, as in like uh, you could have named it bottle caps, and people probably would have maybe. Yeah, no, no one like man, like no one understands when we first got into the game like there was nothing that tasted good like yeah. nothing tasted good for sure like protein didn't taste good free workouts didn't taste good nothing tasted good yep and so like 
just make it red and call it fruit punch was just everybody. Dude. Whenever I got in the game, yep. it was just red, shitty tasting, whatever, yep. but call it fruit punch. And so it's funny how like that would still sell better, but I'm sure I still, it, it's yeah. Then an orange cola candy that tasted phenomenal. It was great. Yeah. It was great. I still drink it every once in a while. I still, what, what was the other one though? What was the other one? The other one was, uh, well, there's yeah. Main brain is the other product. So okay. the main brain was a product that I designed. It's a capsule. It's three ingredients. It's lion's pe- mane. Lion's mane's one of them. Yeah. Pico two, which already has some lion's mane in there. So I doubled up on the lion's mane, but Pico two, is like a blend of I think six different mushroom extracts or seven different mushroom extracts mm-hmm. to enhance performance. And there's tons of studies on this stuff for yeah. enhancing, you know, physical performance. And, and, VO2 out, max. and now it's everywhere. Yeah, it's all over the place. And then I put uh, Elev ATP on there as well that helps support the ATP cycle or the Krebs cycle for ATP production. And so that was my mental and physical performance enhancing product for the non bodybuilding athlete. You know, CrossFit people would do really well with it. Uh, I've got an MMA guy that I'm like, this is really up your up your alley that kind of thing. Um, but you know, just a terrible seller crash and burn. So strange, man. But like, here we are in this day and age, I've never seen more stuff served to me as far as performance mushrooms. Yeah. Oh, just mushrooms per- are hot now. The hottest thing ever. Yeah. And it comes to like, and like, dude, I, we're over here at five below sell, buying toys for, for kids, for children's mercy, for yeah. the toy drive. I'm like, dude, what's going on here? There's like a bunch of mushroom shit everywhere. Really? Like mushrooms on socks, mushrooms on t-shirts, neon mushroom. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm like, are we giving these things to kids? It must be. It must be the psilocybin craze, right? Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess. I, I. I mean, I would think, but like, this is. Um, it's kind of like I guess when we talk about, you know, we're talking about CBD earlier yep. and how that, um, correlates with THC and people thinking these things are one and the same or yeah. this or that. Yeah. It's like people are like talking about how they're buying all these different, you know, fancy mushrooms and stuff, and it's yeah. like these aren't psilocybin mushrooms, people. Yeah. Like these are. <laughs> You'll notice a difference. It'll just be more of how productive you are, yeah. not the opposite. Yeah. No, there's some cool mushrooms. I think there's yeah. a lot to be discovered mushroom-wise still. Mm-hmm. And, like, I really like red reishi mushrooms. I don't even know if I say this stuff right. I read this stuff on the internet. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. You know, red red reishi mushrooms are really cool, especially for, like, calming you down, anxiety kind of stuff. That, mm-hmm. one's, that one's awesome. I take turkey tail. Is like an immune support. Yeah, that's that a common one. Yeah, turkey tail's a good one. There's all sorts of cool stuff that's out there. And there's still going to be more that we discover because I know there's, like, literally millions and millions of species. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, Unreal. So if if let's say me and Jeff we're gonna start a supplement brand, yep. we're like we're gonna get this going, protein, protein. bro, the bro, nutrition, the, the bro, <laughs> bro, the bro authority, yeah, bro, yeah. bro authority, yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. What what would your advice be to somebody who is starting up a brand or is thinking of starting up a brand? Maybe maybe uh, you know things to consider that the average person who would be thinking about doing this um, is not taken into it. I, I get served mm-hmm. the ads of like, hey, you know, pro- well, private, yeah, label, private label atomic, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. atomic or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So, so for the people yeah. that are like looking at We'll make you at, a supplement brand. Yeah. It only costs six grand. You're people, just private label. People that are looking at that, what what would your advice be to them or you know, what's the hardest thing about starting a supplement brand? That you've ran into? Are we talking you're talking specific to supplements and not necessarily a business or anything? I would oh, just say what yeah. you would warn somebody who say, I'm going to start a supplement brand. What's the first warning you'd give, I guess? Um, I think the I think people assume that because you make a great product, it's going to sell. And I think that's, you know, general for every product out there. But the best products don't sell. The best marketed products are the ones that sell. And so if you think that by creating a supplement, you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to put all of these ingredients in here that I've won. I'm going to make the ultimate pre-workout. It's going to be the best product that's out there and it's going to sell. Mr. Fusion. You're going to be disappointed because it's just not going to take off like you think for the most part, because it's, it's about getting your name out there. It's about marketing your product, branding the product. It's not about just making the best product. And I think, you know, I get caught in a, 
um, kind of a loop of like, well, maybe, maybe if I made a new flavor or maybe if I made a new product, like it would catch on and people would be really excited for it. But that's, that's just rare in how that works. Completely. Yeah. We just, it's an era. So like I, and we've worked in the store so long that like, we know, like I can tell you like what year it was based on the pre-workout that was popular. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And, um, and it's, and here's what everybody needs to know. Like, this is important. The best selling pre-workout is typically one of the cheapest pre-workouts. Completely. Yep. It's never a good quality one. It's always the cheapest, mm-hmm. more or less bang for your buck. Yeah. But it never ends up being a real bang for your buck based on how little you get. Yeah. Right. So we're talking like back to no explode was the first one. Yep. $60. Right. Oh, yeah. But we sold it for thirty one ninety nine. Yep. It was like how we even got people in the door. Yeah. Right. C4 that went down. We, we sold that for eighteen ninety nine. Yep. Well, C4 used to have one three in it. And when it did, oh, it yeah. was like, did it? That's, oh, yeah. No, the early, early, earliest did it? one. And yeah. the earliest one was saying, because it really caught on after, right? Yeah. It was actually, I think, the post jacked pre workout of choice. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, and jacked, obviously, was its own era. Yep. Uh, you know, and that the, era, everything had one three in it. Do you remember that? It was oh, yeah, like everything. you could come into a, like a supplement superstores and it was like 85% of products for had sure. one three. For sure. and, and they were just reformulating to put it in there if they hadn't already, yeah. right? So. I mean, like every brand we could think of, they have their iteration. You know what I mean? It was like, you know, <laughs> it's like the era of like T-Pain and auto-tune. Yeah. Everybody, everybody, everybody had an album with some auto-tune in it there for a minute. Yep. Uh, but I mean, dude, Justin Timberlake was doing auto-tune. What are we doing? Snoop Dogg was auto-tuning. Yeah. Uh, anyways, people were putting one in, one three in everything. Absolutely. And uh, one MR, 300 mm-hmm. milligrams of caffeine. It was like three scoops of Jack, so yep. they said, right? Yep. Um, I mean, dude, Titan had adrenal prime that would just melt your face off. Yep. That also had one three. We sold that muscle, muscle spike. Muscle spike. That's what I was just going to say. I mean, muscle spike, you couldn't keep it on the oh, shelf, Johnny, dude. Johnny DeTavio. Bro, right I, I, sold, I sold a lot Dia of muscle Tavio. spike yep. for you by telling my buddies that were still living in Wichita. I'm like, dude. I was like, go get giant some giant has that. muscle spike. Go yep. get muscle spike because it has an ingredient in it that yep. is going to make you fly high. <laughs> one of the one of the mistakes that we made kind of early with Supplement Giant pre Nutri Authority was that we were trying to figure out how to how to incentivize people to recommend products, sure, right? which sure. is kind of a hard area to find because we want people to recommend products and we don't want lazy salespeople, but we're also not like commissioning our people. But we right. try we try to spiff system, right? We try to buck. You sell. You sell these products, you know, we'll let the manufacturer, so like Johnny DeTavio was paying us a dollar per unit to our employees if they sold a muscle spike. The problem that we ran into is that everybody that walked in the door, yeah, I'm looking for a pre-workout. Yeah, man, muscle spike. Yeah, you want. this is the only one <laughs> you is, want. And it's like, uh, I want something relatively mild, not yeah. a lot of caffeine. And like, <laughs> no, yeah, muscle spike fine. is the yeah. one you want. And so we had to immediately, we just pulled it. And we had one guy. It was just one guy that really understood the spiff system was his ticket to make more money per yeah. hour. What was, was your idea for, uh, what did you have to say to Johnny for all of our listeners? This is funny because this is the stuff you run into as yeah. a supplement manufacturer. When the electric lemon ice came out. Oh, yeah. And it was and, and it was just seven. You would get a whole case of bricks. Dude. Yep. Just a case of bricks. We're talking guys. Like, you would get it, and it was like, um, I don't know, like that kid's toy that was like sand. Yep. Where it was just like a structure. Yep. Right off the bat. Like, you could just pull it out like an actual just piece of candy. one whole piece, yeah. Yikes, yep. man. We had that. so many returns. It yeah. was so terrible. We got to a point. It depends on the type of clump, right? So there's clumps that are a little bit more moist, a little wet. And then there's the clumps that are just dry. It's just a full brick. Full brick. The yeah. full bricks, we got to the point where we just took them out and we'd slam them against the side of the counter. Yeah. And we would just break them up until they're fully powdered. You'd shake it up and you'd be like, any clumps? No. And just keep banging it. And then we would do that on all of them. Yeah. The ones that are moist, you can't do that with. You know, that's, that's a moisture issue. But the, his product was probably just... His yeah. whole, that whole flavor system just didn't the work. The flavor system, yeah. you know, but the... It was tastier, in my opinion. Do you guys still have anything from Muscle Fortress? 
Um, yes, yeah. we have to. Do we? We've got to. We, we have got? to. Yeah. Dude, the ultimate. Vaso Cree? That was what about Vaso Test? Raz Test. I remember Vaso Test. Oh, Raz Test. That was a little spicy. So, um, yep. Pika, Pika Tropin was the first. Uh, Razo Cree was the first pre workout I ever had that had Pika Tropin in it, right? Yeah, yeah. And it didn't dissolve. Oh. And so they called it, their first flavor was called, you might remember this, Raztastic Lemonade. I remember the name, yeah. It was Raztastic. Yeah. Uh, and so the, the Picatropin didn't dissolve, and so it felt like you were drinking pulpy lemonade. Oh, gross, yeah. And it was absolutely, <laughs> like, just completely offensive. Yeah. You're like, why am I drinking this? Yeah. Dry scooping was invented because people didn't want to drink that one. Mm-hmm. But, man, talk about stuff that just bombed. And then you have Muscle Spike, which was just clearly the flagship. Yep. And uh, this was also the days of, like you were saying, Vaso Test, um, Methyl V Test. Methyl V Test was awesome. Winiston V. Yep. Muscle what, Stack what am I, Packs. What else am I missing? Muscle yeah. Stack Packs were the shit yeah. for I years. We, I think we might even still have some Muscle Those Stack Packs. Those are great. Packs. I'm not sure. But for sure, um, I'll never forget the days of being like 19, 20 years old and um, kids coming in for, you know, getting ready for spring break. Yep. We'd sell them a Methyl V Test. And I'm brand new to the store. Yeah. I'm you know, you hear stories about these products that people can take and get these crazy results. And you yep. just don't want to believe a single word they're saying. Yeah. And this kid's like, no, dude, I put 50 pounds on my bench. And I'm just like, you were such a liar. Yeah. You know, and then a kid that I sell it to comes back in and he looks completely different. Yeah. Right. Like he gains 30 pounds. That's crazy. And it's all water in his of neck course. and his face yeah. and of everything. Course. But like the results were un heard of and you're like ah we were just selling oral steroids that's it well and going back to the pre-workouts that you're talking about the cheapest ones that sell, it's the feel it pre-workouts it's the crack i mean Correct. it's always the crack that sells the most the instant, and the same with the instant feels the instant feels so anything yeah. that gives you the strongest instant result is always what's going to be the most popular that's why pro hormones it was just like the easiest thing you could possibly do we like, didn't sell a ton of them too which is crazy because we could have yeah. obviously knowing what we know today yeah we would have sold a shitload more. Oh, yeah. Oh, you yeah. Know? We, sold, like, we sold quite a few, but it was still, we were still cautious. It was still like, hey, if you're going to buy this, you have to buy yes. the liver support and you have to buy the anti-estrogen. Like, or, you have to get everything yeah. with it all together. We're not going to sell it to you. I mean, it so. was definitely from the top down um, for us. It mm-hmm. was like, a, hey, guys, this is not something we get behind, yeah. but people are going to come in for it. So at least be the ones that tell them how to do it like the right way. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there was, I mean, during the heyday I of complete nutrition, I, the amount of guys we had coming in that were having the, you know, some uh, gyno yeah. issues and stuff with yep. some of their stacks and stuff they were selling. Yeah. I talked, I tried to talk a kid, uh, he was 14, came in with his dad and his dad wanted to buy Imdral, right? And all the kids on Masterol, Imdral, all those. Imdral What was, was this, uh, what was this compound? Uh, Superdral. Mm-hmm. I think Imdral was Superdral. And mm-hmm. uh, wanted to buy Superdral for his 14 year old. And he's like, well, all the kids on the football team are taking it. And I'm like, I'm telling you right now. I'll sell it to you because you're an adult and you can do whatever you want to do don't for give your, it to your son. But please don't yeah. like, please don't buy this. It's, it's a mistake. You're making a mistake. Dude bought it anyway. And he, he bought it to give it to his kid. And that guy kept coming in. He still comes in for years. The kid did. So he's, he's nice. When now. I was he's in high school, the kids were getting, then. were getting jacked on uh, something called M1 T's, oh, which yeah. I'm assuming methyl one test. Yeah. That which I had early two thousands. Yeah. I had never heard of it. And he was just <laughs> like, yeah, man, these M1 T's blah, 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 blah. And like, that was the first. Put all 25 pounds on your bench in one pill. That was the first pro hormone I ever took. It people, was. Uh, people told me this. I'm like, no way. Yeah. I was so afraid of this shit, dude. I was such a pansy. I was I was 19, maybe 18. I was in college. I was KU. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, my brother had taken meth one test because he graduated in 2000, right? And so uh-huh. he had used it. And it turns out we had a bottle of it because it was banned sure. right around that 2001 time or something. But we had a bottle of it in the garage. And it had been in the garage for like six years. And I was like, okay, you know, I'll. 
I'll take it. You know, there's only half a bottle left or something. So I took one pill a day. That shit was the craziest <laughs> stuff. I mean, it was very, I mean, my appetite was dead immediately, which is a good indicator that your liver's just getting crushed. Yeah. And uh, I put on a bunch of weight real fast. And I was only taking one. There's people taking three of those a day. And you were saying your appetite was nothing? Appetite. Yeah. One of the problems with pro-hormones, oral steroids, things like that, if they're too strong, it seems to kill your appetite. It's kind of like a, a negative reaction to the product. And I think it's, I don't know, 100%. I'm kind of guessing here. But I think it's the, the liver, I don't want to say damage, but the stress to your yeah, liver. Having to metabolize so yeah. often. Yeah, because it's it's going through it and it's really crushing. Like if you were to get your liver enzymes tested while you're on one of those, like you just don't want to look. Through the I mean, roof. <laughs> through the roof. Because it's your your body's just going crazy trying to deal with this compound. And uh, since it's oral, it filters through you twice and it's a very, it's methylated. It's dimethylated. Yeah, methylated. So it's very harsh on your liver in the first place. And so, yeah, it would just crush appetite. So it's almost ironic. Like some of the strongest stuff that you could take, like you can't eat enough because you're not hungry. Mm -hmm. And that like ruins well, your I results mean, completely. Yeah, yeah, high level bodybuilders they take appetite increasers For to sure. like basically when they're taking massive stacks of stuff because yeah. they're taking so many things that are doing exactly that. Yeah. And, and so with this, I like I love this conversation because it just just it's unbelievable. We haven't had. I mean, Kyle and I haven't talked about these like these days of working yeah. in the store in so yeah. many years. And it just draws so many like parallels now to like, okay, nobody cares about this shit now. Uh -uh. It's because it's not available. There's right? still the SARMs, the SARMs business is still out there. And yeah. you shouldn't, if you're, you should listen to me. If you're selling SARMs, you should stop and don't sell them. I, aren't they a gray item? They're gray. Yeah. There's, we've still got, you know, there's still competitors that we have that are still selling SARMs. Same. Same. And you know, 120 bucks, they're buying them for $20. If you guys are listening to this and you're buying SARMs, buy them online. Don't yeah. Buy them. You know, they're, they're real cheap, but the thing is though, it's know, like, it's that, that, uh, wild west era of that. I feel like we're, we're, we're completely we're I feel like almost past yeah. it. Yeah. We're past that. And it's just a situation now where it's like, where do you feel like, um, supplement industry? Yeah. Where's going? the supplement industry going, you know? And, it, and if it's going anywhere, what's the category? I guess we talked about starting a brand. Like what would you be cautious of? Right. Yeah. To that, I would say, what's the category you would start with first if you were to start over? I think I would go with wellness. I think wellness is where it'll expand the most. Specifically what in that era, in that area, I'm sorry, because that's a that's as broad as broad it's very gets. it's a very broad. Yeah. I mean Was it the turkey tail? Turkey tail. You gonna make some turkey tail pills? First? Um I'm not you know, I'm not oh. saying what I would do. Um I think you're I think like, that's might have a turkey tail, but nothing works right. <laughs> now. Well, you were asking how do I think the supplement industry is gonna change. Sure. Right. And when we got into it, it was really bodybuilding heavy. You know, the people that were coming in the stores for the most part were lifting weights, they were trying to get bigger, they're trying to build muscle, or maybe lose some fat, right? For the most part. But the wellness category is really like you guys, like the greens categories and the vitamins and things like that. They've always been there, but like they're skyrocketing right now. And there's yeah. so many other products that are out there. Like I'm seeing ads for a, instead of coffee, I should drink this uh, cocoa, you know, cocoa beans or something like that. And oh it's my like gosh, mud dude. water, mud, mud water. water. Yeah. That yeah. one made me just want to be like, what are we, what are we talking about? Yeah, so, you're, you're right though. It's, I think the mud <clears throat> water, it's an interesting thing because I think <clears throat> now we're seeing, COVID uh, basically kind of launched that for us to yeah. where it was like, now we have people that are really just want to be more healthy. And, you know, mm -hmm. when we were, like you were saying, starting out in supplements, I was thinking about getting jacked. I yeah. wasn't thinking like, I need to be healthy. I was like, dude, I want to get freaking jacked. Yes. And um, now you have kids that come in and they're like, I specifically want to make sure that I'm healthy. You know, I'm, yeah. I, and it's, it it's is so a cool, strange. That is strange. Cool. I wouldn't have been interested in that personally. Yeah. No. It, it, it's cool to <laughs> see that. strongest stuff. You yeah. Got. yeah. Yeah. I'm like, what do you have out in the back? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, to, to see a 22 year old stuff. dude yeah. to be taking greens and a multivitamin oh, over. Awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. obviously the best, I think, even for his mental health, for you sure. know, is a good call. But it's a, it's, I, I'm, 
I'm selfishly just thinking because of, you know, where we're at in age and yep. so forth. It's like we're aging out of that 18 to 34, yep. um, which is just, you know, more or less a, a boy growing, growing into a man. Yeah. And we're like, all right, well, now we actually care about our health. You know, we actually care about, you know, having a long, sustainable life and yep. this and that. And, and I'm like, is that just because of my age or is that just because of the trend of where, you know, I think supplements is going? I don't good, know. That's a good question. I think there's definitely a trend in supplements, but it's definitely your age. You know? Sure. You know, you get older. And so I, I started having those thoughts, you know, because I competed in bodybuilding and there's things that come with bodybuilding that are not the healthiest, right? Of course. No, not, not, a, not in the long term. Not not long term, not even short term sometimes. But I started to question things at a certain point whenever I was doing things for bodybuilding that I was like, you know, is this a decision that I want to, do I want this to kill me? You know, is it that important to risk something that could... You know, give me a blood clot and in my life or, you know, cause, you know, heart problems down the road or something like that. Where in your life did you have that conversation? There was many years when I had that conversation when uh, I put it off, you know, probably started about 24. I had my first, my first son was born when I was 21. So mm-hmm. I've got three, three boys. One's 13, one's 10, one's eight. And so my 13 year old, that started it, but I really wasn't, you know, I was still a kid, you know, sure, I was 21 sure. barely. And, uh, you know, so 26 is probably the realistic range where I was really questioning whether or not what I was doing was a good idea and was really the end of my bodybuilding for the most part. It just took a while. It, yeah, took a while it sounds like to, that's when boy three was, was born as well around that yeah, era he was too, born. Huh? Yeah, he was born right, like 26. Mm-hmm. So right around, yeah, 2016, sometime around there when he was born in, I think he was born in 2014. But yeah, sometime 2016, I think it was kind of when I was getting out of it for the most part. And it was, it was all health based, you know, sure. it's all did just, you have any kind of scares along the way that you'd be willing to share? No, there was no scares or anything like that, but you see, you see bodybuilders dropping dead and you start to most you've ever seen. And you know, that was before then too. And I, I mean, I had seen people that that had happened to, and there's certain people that would like preach the right things. Like there was guys like John Meadows that were preaching the right things. And he's like, take care of yourself, do your yeah. blood work, do all this stuff. And dude drops dead himself, you know? Yeah, so that supplement like, store owner here in Kansas City, uh, Chris yeah. Bird, RIP. Yeah. I mean, dude, yeah. it was super sad. Yeah, dude, Just it's, got done with a show it's all and three weeks later. Yeah. So I think I think that was, I, I always knew that was a risk and it was a educated risk that I would take early. But at a certain point, you're just like, what's what's the reason? Why am I doing this? Sure, sure. It, it is fun. Like, like, squeeze. I, yeah. I, was, I was really heavy for a long time too. I think the heaviest I got up to was like 260, 265. Yeah. yeah. And uh, around that same time was basically where I was like, what am I doing? Like, why am I this heavy? Yeah. You know, I also, you were obviously a better bodybuilder than me, but I started looking around and being like, dude, I'm not like good. Like, yeah. I'm not, it, it's not like I'm like uh, going to be an elite level power lifter, elite level, you know, bodybuilder. I'm yeah. literally just carrying around this extra weight for not really any to yeah, be the elite str- total though to, to give to, you some credit to though. be the strongest guy in the local gym for sure like what the hell am i doing yeah you get an elite total though or was uh, it a pro total it was, yeah but the, the thing is is so powerlifting back it's like, it's in, like those old guys that come in the store they're like i used to bench yeah. 500 pounds when i was your age yeah but yeah. kyle really did <laughs> 501 <laughs> it was he's got the missouri some odd record damn some, dude that's you know, way more than i ever benched. he did 501 and a half but the problem was is like i he was just competing some, he's just being bashful i yeah, was competing right. in powerlifting in like 2009 10 11 yep and powerlifting just shot through the absolute roof like yes. in the mid like absolute golden era and then and I was yeah. just like getting, you know, like my squat, which was respectable back then. All of a sudden people are like squatting 200 pounds more than that. And I'm yeah. like, 
whoa. Like you had like, gotten to CrossFit in like 08, like how crazy you'd be right now. Like, if, like as of where you're at now with CrossFit, you'd be going to the games. I would be going to the games, wouldn't I, Jeff? Keep telling yeah. me. Keep pumping you me. You'd have gone to the games. I would have gone to the games. I've got one. Yeah. I've got one for you. They're, they've got the tactical games. Have you seen that? Oh, we did take Jacob Hebner on, on the, the podcast. podcast. There you tactical go. games champion. I'm just yeah. going to, you know, embarrass myself here. Sorry, I didn't hear that. Yeah, no, it's all good. The tactical games are sweet, though. It's like CrossFit and you're shooting stuff, right? Yeah. He gives us a really good rundown on it. I hadn't seen it. And dude, yeah, he won the whole thing. Yeah, I got a buddy down in Wichita that used to be a trainer at Genesis and stuff, and I train him for a show, and and he's doing the tactical games, and I was just like, dude, absolutely, I would love. I think to it's be growing. Involved. It looks like a lot of fun, man. It's super cool. I if mean, they would throw a. You I know, told some... Jacob, I was like, dude, if you do shooting, because he's got he's got his gym, he's got a gym and a barn, yeah, and then you walk out of the back of his barn, and he's got a freaking range, uh, range, yeah, three hundred yards. So oh, he just nice. like freaking do thrusters and then like go out there and shoot. <laughs> and I'm just like, you know, that's, that's crazy. That's about as good as it gets. Right? Yeah, that's about as fun as you can have right he was but like it, cops are out here all the time <laughs> yeah his next door neighbor he's like they don't like me and i don't care yeah, yeah. but you're going back to, to what you were talking about being the biggest guy in the gym or the strongest guy in the gym and whether or not it was worth that kind of thing that's kind of where it came from you know what i started to kind of question what it was that i was getting out of it or what it was that i wanted you know why would you be re- willing to do things that would potentially put your health at harm to be a bodybuilder like i didn't have the genetics to be mr olympia i wasn't going to be you know, one of the top five guys that was out there. I'm not, I'm not that good. I knew that. And so it was a question like, do you want to be the best guy in Wichita or do you mm-hmm. get him? You want to be a good prep coach or you know what? And so yeah. I think discovering what drove me into bodybuilding was really what kind of let it go. Well, the what, most part. Yeah. What, what, was, what that? was that? Yeah. It was just insecurity to totally. be fair. Yeah. So, I think, I think looking at any of the things that we're heavily driven towards, we find a deep rooted insecurity underneath. I, I'm a hundred percent in agreement with you and my, I never went into bodybuilding. Mine was always my weight. So I just yeah. wanted my weight to be lower. Yeah. Was all I cared about. And yeah. I never Je- even thought about muscles. But right? Jeff, you know, I think insecurities can be so many different things. So like if I had to go back and say what got me into weightlifting, if I was going to pin it on a s- insecurity, it would be related to probably feeling inadequate in sports. Yeah. So not feeling big enough in sports, feeling like I needed to be bigger, feeling like I needed to be stronger. Yep. Um, Jeff would be like inadequate with girls. Like he would always talk about like I work out to like look better for yeah, girls. Yeah, for me to have confidence. Took for a sure, long time for, sure. for him to understand yeah. that girls don't give a shit. They don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's the confidence. It's not the well, look. It's the confidence. So right? here's what and here's what's sad about it is like this is for real. Like I would tell him this is like you would get to a spot where it's like oh I started to gain weight for the first time. Like I was uh, the, the heavy kid my whole life in my mind. Right. Yeah. Um, I was like this weight as a senior in high school. Mm-hmm. And so I end up getting down to like 190 or something, right? In the college. And I'll never forget like getting up to like 200 or 210. I felt so like I can't be seen really this big yeah. at 210, which I was like a skinny kid, right? Mm-hmm. At 210. Yeah. Uh, but anywho, like I wouldn't go out. I just like wouldn't let people see yeah. me. I was just like, stay home because I like, Hey, and then if I were to, for example, once I found out that like, Oh, like I didn't need to be super lean for a girl to, to find me attractive or for me to, you know, be successful in that era, whatever yeah. area of your life. I was like, Oh, well, I don't need to work out. This isn't even like a, yeah, not even uh, important. I didn't even value it. No. You know what I mean? Like I, for that, for that perspective, I was like, yeah. my playing days of football are done. I don't need to be strong for anything. Like, yeah. Yeah, it, it, I stopped. I stopped caring so much about that, and then I, the only reason why I would ever get in shape would be to like to make sure I looked good for the store, or make sure I got in shape for an event. We had yep. like a banquet, or we would have like a vacation or something. I would only get in shape for like 
events, yeah, which is just terrible. Well, so there's one thing that's really come become clear for me since I've gotten out of bodybuilding, right? Because for so long, I mean, really since high school, I was driven to like eat the right diet. You know, you slip up and you fudge, but like talking to every other college kid you knew, I lived in an apartment. I didn't, I didn't have a dorm. I cooked my own meals. I limited myself to getting drunk like once or twice a week. And at KU, that was awesome. Yeah. And I was still working out and I would like, I would get trashed. I'd go home and I'd just chug a protein shake before I went to bed. And so like I had my level of dedication, even whenever I was still like allowing some freedom. Right. Sure. But that continued on. I did my first bodybuilding show when I was 20. And then that was like the bug that bit me. And from 20 to almost 30, like I didn't go off my diet. Like I would, I worked out consistently all in from there, yeah. all in. And I would, and I, and then, you know, at a certain point it kind of fell away. Right. Like we talked about, like I, I kind of looked at like what was driving me, what was, was pushing me to be this bodybuilder, what made me want to be bigger than everybody else. And, you know, it feels good when you get attention. It feels good when people give you compliments and things like that. But it was really like digging into what it was that drove me about this insecurity that let it go away. But what's been interesting is that since that happened, I've found it more difficult to go to the gym. Right. Right. I, when it used to be so easy. It's funny how like, I mean, I'm going through the exact same yeah. thing, dude. It's so, it's so yeah. like profound because yeah. you got to a spot where you're like, this value has failed. Yes. I know that this value has failed me, mm-hmm. but there were certain parts of it that you liked that you had. Absolutely. And it was like, yeah, I feel the same way, man. You're like, yeah. I used to, you know, I used to have that chip and yep. that chip drove me and that chip's gone. Well, and it's, and it's given me an insight to, especially to customers, right? It's given me an insight to people. And I really think there's a hierarchy there's a hierarchy of goals. There's a hierarchy of importances and whatever you put at the top, you will accomplish for the most part, or you will stay dedicated to it. It is the thing that you will sacrifice every other thing for. So for me, it was bodybuilding, right? And so if it was sleep, I sacrificed sleep. If it was eating with friends and family, I sacrificed that. If it, whatever it was, I was willing to do it. Now that's not my goal anymore. So that sacrifice is really hard to make sleeps pretty awesome. Like yeah. I'd much rather, I'd much rather sleep most mornings than yeah. get up and go, but I was getting up super early before everybody in my house, I'd be back before they woke up. Now I'm like barely be able to get out of bed before they are in the mornings and stuff. And it's really given me kind of an insight into people that that's not their number one goal. They'd like to lose weight. They'd like to be in shape, but they've got other stuff going on in their lives. Mm-hmm. And so the people that achieve that number one goal sacrifice everything else in their life and they're willing to do it. And that makes it happen. But when it's not your number one goal, people try and then they fail and they try and they fail and they try and they fail because they're trying to implement it the same way as if it was a hundred percent goal as the number one goal. They try to go all in. They try to start the workouts. They try to start the diet. They try to add the supplements. They try to do it all at once. Completely change their life overnight. Change your life overnight. And I think that's a doable thing for people if it's your number one goal, if it's the number one important thing in your life. And that's like, you know, or, or up there, right? It's the top of the pyramid. This is what I want to achieve. Well, then, yeah, you'll sacrifice. But if you just want to lose 30 pounds and you have a good life and, like, you just feel a little bit like you need to lose 30 pounds, you're not going to be dedicated like that for the most part. And you, you probably, might be and you probably not lose 30 pounds, though, either, though, because that's, that's a considerable number. Yeah. So so was your, your insecurity, like, you know, for, for those who are not listening that might, you know, not be from Wichita, you had a reputation of, as being... Your identity was tied to this. the bodybuilder. Like yeah, sure. my buddies, you know, would be like, "Oh, you know, I mean, the Ragsdale family in general are workout royalty." Was that, that where area. the insecurity was coming from? Is you didn't want to not be known as that person? No, I grew up small. No, I grew up. I grew up uh, my entire life. I was, which probably f- like fueled, and I knew this kind of to a small degree, but I was short and I was small and insecurity with women and things like that. And it was just like, I wasn't confident in who I was. Mm-hmm. Right. And so You're not comfortable with yourself. I'm not comfortable with myself. So I needed to change myself, which I think is what we all do, 
but really I think the answer is actually to become more comfortable with yourself. Correct. And that's by, you know, figuring out who you are, what your insecurities are, what's bothering you, what's driving you, that kind of thing. But for me, I was small. People would make fun of me because I was short, you know, things like that. And so that was, that was obviously the huge driver for me. I yeah. had two older brothers that beat the crap out of me all the time. You know, it was all in brotherly love, but like yeah. I couldn't defend it. So I wanted Absolutely to be stronger. Yourself. Yeah. 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 And so I think all of those things kind of played together, but an inherent feeling that I wasn't good enough as I am. Yeah. I think is really what I think was the core, the core thing. I'm not good enough. If I were to put it into words, I'm not good enough. And that drived me towards bodybuilding also drove me into business and drove me to start, you know, the business that I did and to, to do what I've done, start three one six fit for bodybuilding and things like that. And I think when we get down to it, that's what drives all of us. Yeah. I think some of the most successful people out there have the biggest insecurities out of all of us. They leverage them for positive. They're leveraging right. them. That's, mm-hmm. that's what drives them. But that's for what, sure. and that's, what's so tough is like, uh, when, when do these, you know, I mean, we talk about this, you know, with Andy or, you know, um, there's so many examples of it, but yeah. it's like, once you recognize that and figure that out, mm-hmm. How do you reclaim, you know, that drive? Yeah. You know what question. I mean? That's the part where it's yeah, like. I think it's easy. Like for me with, with working out from the standpoint of like, I, I shifted from feeling like I was inadequate from like, man, I, I got to be stronger for this or I need to, you know, be stronger because I'm competing in powerlifting. I need to bigger, bigger because I'm competing in bodybuilding to like, I just want to feel better. Yeah. And then I started realizing like, well, what workouts make me feel good? Like mentally, you know, what workouts make me feel like I can, you know, do anything. I can go for a run, yada, yada, yada. And I just kind of transferred that into, instead of feeling like I needed to prove something to somebody just to like, I'm just going to do what, you know, makes me feel better. Is yeah. that kind of where you're at now as you kind of work out with like the, the, the bigger goal of like just feeling better and being healthier? Yeah, that's, that's pretty much where I'm at. It's actually kind of an interesting thing. I'm rediscovering what I enjoy, mm-hmm. you know, for a long time it was so driven. So, you know, disciplined that I don't even know what I enjoyed anymore. You know, workout wise, it was for a goal. Yeah. I, I went in to do the exercise that gave me the best result what kind of exercise do I like? Mm -hmm. You know, I I like riding my bike. I like hanging out with my family. I like being out and doing stuff. That's exercise. Yeah. You know, it's not gym weightlifting. You know, I played around with, uh, in high school, you know, you went to the YMCA and rock climbs. Like that's, that was fun. So it's a little bit of a rediscovery of like, how can I get exercise in? How can I stay in shape, but have fun? And, and rather than looking, yeah. yeah, looking at the drive from, you know, a negative standpoint of like, I have to be better. You know, the, the drive could be, well, I like doing these things. Yeah. yeah actually know. enjoying the process yeah. finally. Yeah. That's, right? that's really it. And I enjoyed the process. I enjoyed the results I got from the process. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I enjoyed the feeling I had about myself. Like I was a badass whenever totally. I was doing that stuff. But you know, you feel like that whenever you're getting the results, but then when the result goes away immediately, you like, it's all I mean, fleeting. Yeah. It's like somebody that's really successful in business. And then they still have this like underlying, you know, concern about their own success and like, you know, whether they're actually as successful as they think, you know, will they still How be successful? And- yeah. I mean, I think that all just plays in for everybody. You also get to a point where, uh, you know, where you feel you get like addicted to feeling like you're the only person doing a certain thing. Yeah. Like where you're, you're like, I'm doing this and nobody else is willing to do this. I'm better than you. Yeah. It's yeah. I'm better than you. Yeah. There's a quote from uh, Thomas Merton and I don't remember exactly what the quote is, but it's, you know, like the, the sweetest sound is, is uh, the call that, I'm better than other men or something like that. It's like, I'm better than everybody else. And that's like the, the, the secret thing that we really love. I'm special. I'm special. I'm better mm-hmm. than you in yeah. some way. And I think that drives it, 
right? Yeah, I mean, we I don't think I mean, and we still and see it to this day. Yeah, it's not an all negative yeah, thing. Yeah, it's not negative necessarily, but I think that is just, it's just a, an honest part that it, comes with it. It's, it's deriving from an unhealthy place, so yeah. that's like if you don't know, if you can't recognize what that is, yeah. you're going to live a lot of years of unhappiness. Yeah, I'm in a, I'm in a weird spot with with discipline right now because I I've lived such a disciplined life for so long with dieting. I mean, I got up every morning, and cooked my food. Like I didn't meal prep every week. I just like every morning, chop up chicken, throw it in the pan, throw the rice in the rice cooker, go get dressed while I'm doing it, stir it around a little bit. Like that's how I lived every day. And I would, I was very, very good at doing whatever needed to be done. You know, if it was seven meals a day, I got seven meals a day, 400 grams of protein a day, 400 grams of protein. You know, if it was a grind, it was a grind. And I think that's, you know, it was such a disciplined period of time from, you know, 20 to 30 that now I look at it and I'm, I'm, I think there's a problem with discipline for discipline's sake. You know, I think the I'm better than you is kind of what fuels a lot of discipline, especially in like the entrepreneurial fitness area. Sure. It's like, I'm, I'm going to achieve this or I'm going to do these things because it makes me feel better. And I think that that's where I'm, I'm in this confusing space because obviously you have to be disciplined. Like yeah. you have to get your stuff done. And I mean, the only way you're going to get results is being disciplined, but how can you do that only on the important things and not necessarily use up that willpower or that, you know, that other side of you for discipline for the unimportant goals mm-hmm. or for the things that are, that are lesser. Right. Yeah. How can you pick and choose and, and yeah. are you going to be the best judge of that? Yeah. And I think most you really people are on the other excuses, side of yeah. that. 100%. Issue. 100%. <laughs> yeah, most yeah, yeah. people are not. Yeah. Most people are not say, disciplined enough. Correct. So yeah, I, yeah. yeah I don't want to, I don't want to put that message out there because it's a hard, it's a hard message. But for it people, is, but, it is true to you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like if you go for 10 years, um, being more hardcore than I've probably ever even been, even in a, in a show prep and a regular, you know, life, mm-hmm. it is probably an adjustment trying to get back to the point where it's like, no, dude, if I want to have this ice cream, I'm going to have it. I'm getting back to the point where I didn't weigh my meals. Every yeah. meal I weighed everything. Like right. I knew the gram measurement for the amount of chicken that I needed for this one meal. And I'd weigh it out every single meal. And so I knew exactly almonds, you know, I needed 16 grams of almonds that gave me eight grams of fat. And so I put that on the thing, 16 Eight sixteen, yeah, and that was that was it. So yeah, it's a different lifestyle than most people, which I found easy. Like that's not that's not to say it was. That's what I mean by that. I think it was easy because I I, I loved it. I like that was what I wanted to achieve. Mm-hmm. But it was it was my, different. My, yeah, my whole thing that I always try and talk with Jeff about is like for the most part, I don't really think about discipline. I don't think about my diet. I don't think about you know. Um, I'm not overly critical of myself, and I stay in pretty good shape. And, yeah. and it's like almost kind of a it's a, it's a, it's almost, I don't want to say it's carefree, but it's, it's not a stress point in my life. Yeah. And I know for him, it's been a stress point for him for a long time. He over analyzes a lot of things and, sure. you know, um, unhealthy relationship with food over the years and stuff. And, um, I think that, you know, being able to get to that point is like the, the Holy grail, you know what I'm saying? Where mm-hmm. you don't have to stress about things and you don't have to worry about like the discipline aspect of things. But unfortunately, because like we were saying, most people are, are severely undisciplined. Yeah. They have to express, they have to expose themselves to disciplined things over time, over a longer period of time, because that basically builds that self-confidence that they can, you know, do things. It's fleeting too though, man. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's fleeting. So you're like, I'll give you examples, dude. I mean like time and time again, I would like not listen to Kyle or I would like just not give what he's telling me as much weight or as much sitting with those feelings long enough. Yeah. Uh, because I would, ex- you know, dismiss or excuse what he's saying based on the fact like, dude, I've been disciplined as shit. Like I've done, you know, six, I've lost 60 pounds four times yeah. and all of it was under three months. Yeah. Not a single time did it take me longer than three months to do. Yeah. 
because I was so disciplined, right? Yep. And uh, never to the extent of, you know, weighing my almonds and so forth, sure. like you were saying, yep. but like my version of that where I'm like every single thing was mapped out, right? Yes. And so um, the issue, what I'm saying is it's fleeting is you're going to have this spot where you're going to get to a point where the next thing that you do after this event or this result that you were driving, like you were saying, like whatever that carrot is, yep. it's never been for the sake of being disciplined. No. It's for the sake of the number on the scale for the after photo, for the being enough, you mm-hmm. know, that kind of deal what you're talking about, just being better, right? Yeah. Um, and having the proof that you know what the fuck you're doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, um, then after that, you're like, all right, well now it's not nearly as joyous or I don't get as much instant gratification yep. out of following my plan today because it's, you know, like we just got done with 75 hard last week, for example, yeah. uh, or Monday of this week, actually. Nice. Um, but like, yeah, we talked about like, this is the first time I've ever done, um, a 75 hard or any kind of a diet where In I'm moderation. <laughs> yeah. Where I've just never cared about the number on the scale. Okay. Uh, wasn't, you know, yeah. I mean, definitely healthier. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, and it feels good to feel that healthy, for sure. you know? And uh, to have a good relationship with food and yep. allow myself to have a bite of something or a cookie without saying, I need to eat 10 of these because tomorrow it's going down. Yes. I'm, and I'm and I'm going straight keto and I'm having, you yep. know, only this and this and this. And so, like, I would always make food an event. Yeah. Uh, which obviously that in itself is a terrible idea, yeah. you know. And so I just I'm, I'm I, let- heard, I heard Denzel Washington uh, describe that as being a destination addict. Correct. Yeah. So, oh, totally. Yeah. Like basically yeah, somebody it. who continue and you can do this in business. You can do this, you know, happiness, whatever you want it to be. Yeah, for sure. It's yeah. Like sure. You, you just get Create overly obsess your- about the destination. And then once you get to the destination, you realize it's not all that cool. And then you're just like, yeah, it's like going find on a new one, going on vacation with your family. You're looking yeah. forward to it. And then these kids are in the back, like fishing and moaning. And you're just like, <laughs> Shut the fuck that up, is man, the truest you know? thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's like, this was so nice vacation. There's a last thing I'll say is working in the store. I'm like, how, that affected you as well right uh-huh. so so when i worked at the store and then i didn't have a healthy relationship with food um i thought about this because i had a bunch of people message me i, I posted my results of the 75 hard yesterday and yep. i resonated with a handful of people and this yeah. handful of people um reached out to me on a personal level just to be like dude what do you think about this what do you think about that and it made me think and sit with my th- my feelings on this a little bit longer and you and i've never even talked about this but it's like you know, when you take somebody like myself who has always looked at as fitness was a means of me feeling like I had self-worth. Yep. Um, especially when it came to the opposite sex. Like it was, I, I, I had zero confidence. I was like friend zoning myself with every girl you could possibly yeah. talk to up until the point of me getting in better shape. Yep. Right. So I only used it for that aspect. And then whenever that thing started to shift or change, it was still for just me being a, a good leader within our store or within our company or to walk the walk right? Yeah. Be a better example. And so everything was a destination. And when we're talking about in the store, when you're talking to customers, customers are only giving you that. Yes. It's only thing you hear. And so like, I never talked to anybody that was like, yeah, man, I'm just trying to be healthier, you know, yeah. like, uh, this is my lifestyle. And, and, um, you know, I'm not really worried about the scale. Yeah. Uh, you know, every single person I'm meeting is like, I want to lose 30 pounds in eight weeks. I want to do, you know, I'm going to do this for eight week challenge. I'm going to yep. do this four week, this I'm going to do this for, uh, this crash detox for two weeks. I yep. mean like every single person you talk to yeah. and then even on the in quotes healthy side, right? Yeah. People saying like, yeah, I'm in a cut phase, yeah, which is a phase for sure. And that's, I got a destination, destination. Yep. and I'm, and I'm bulking and all right. And I want to do a clean bulk or a lean bulk mm-hmm. or a slow bulk, whatever it may be. Yeah. It's all a, a program, a destination, a time frame. Yep. No matter what. Yep. Well, it's and not so, always a time frame. I think the time frame that is what makes that dangerous. Well, that's what it's I'm not, saying. Well, listen, like, uh, it's not saying like a 12 week bulk. They're just saying I'm bulking in this bulking phase and then I will cut it down. 
And so like, I'm like, I'm always just trying not to be fat. That's my phase <laughs> yeah. for a decade. You well, know? Yeah, I have, I have this. So I think the, <laughs> in failing <laughs> <laughs> the best analogy that I use, uh, and I don't actually know you guys can tell me if it's the best is, uh, sure. I, I, you know, I've always been interested in Spanish. You know, I took Spanish class, you know, in middle school, I took it in high school. I don't know any Spanish. And so, you know, every once in a while I get this wild hair and I want to listen to a, you know, a Spanish learning tape while I'm driving or do Duolingo or something like that. And, you know, I'll get really excited about it. And then I do that for two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. Maybe I do it for a month or two. And I learn a lot of Spanish because I'm like, man, I want to get on this app and I'm going to do like three, four, five lessons a day. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, man, I'm fucking learning Spanish so fast. Like, you know, knocking it out. Yeah. Be I'm, in. I'm know? basically this is, fluent. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're and, extra uh, disciplined with it. Yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden I'm just like, ah, I just, you know, I don't feel like it today. And then it, all of a sudden that turns into, I haven't touched it for six months. Yeah. And so the analogy I would give people is like, what if I, you know, what if I did one lesson a day on Duolingo? And I just committed to that or like two lessons a week. Yeah. I was like at the end of the year, 10 minutes of it a day, 10 whatever. minutes a day, you know, something so small, but like at the end of the year, I'm going to be knowing a lot more Spanish than if I did this hardcore push for eight weeks, 12 weeks, 16 weeks, whatever it is to learn Spanish, which I, but I think that's how we typically go after goals. Right. Mm -hmm. But there was uh, Earl Nightingale was the, you know, the strangest secret is that you become what you think about or whatever, but sure. His, his philosophy was don't be discouraged by the amount of time it takes to reach a goal because the time's going to pass anyway. And so I was like, put that time to use. You know, you got a year ahead of you, you got 10 years. Like if you learn Spanish in the next five years from like doing one thing a day or one thing a week on your app, but you're consistent with it because that's what you can realistically maintain, you know, five years from now, you're way better off because in five years, I'm not going to know Spanish. And so know, if I do it the way I'm doing it. But, but the thing is, that, that is, is like, a good analogy, dude. I because love that. But that you back if you were to backtrack that and say to yourself, like, what have you worked on to try to be better at it in five years? Mm -hmm. And if for it, and if like, you're like, if I'm going to focus on something every single day for yep. the next five years, I think that would be, you know, I would tell myself if I'm you in that situation, if I'm being weaker minded, yep. right. And this is just most people, everybody's yeah. going to think like this. It's like, why would I want it to be about learning a language? Like yeah. I should be putting that into being like financially literate for sure. You know, or I should put that into, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah. You can replace Spanish. You can, it, yeah, yeah, Spanish yeah. is just this a place. This is the analogy. This yeah. is the analogy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the analogy. But what is that going to be? You know, um, the other thing I think. Yeah. If you wanted to learn, if you wanted to learn real estate. Yeah. But what sure, think, think sure. about you install in whatever you want there. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Is it, this is what people do, you know, with, with. Uh, it, it, that analogy and fat loss just go like hand in hand because yeah. we've seen people do it so much as they, they're like, I'm going on a vacation in four weeks. Yep. What do you guys have here? Yep. And I'm like, <laughs> you're and putting it, me in a bad position because you're work. asking me to make a, like you're, you're saying, like, please meet me the week after you get back. Yeah. yeah. Take yeah. a week after the vacation. Cause yeah. you're going to do it anyway. And it'll work. They'll get the results. I think that's the dangerous thing is yeah. that it does work. And that's why we do it. You know, people go on these, you know, three month or 12 week or whatever it is kind of things. And it works, they get results and they, and then they go on their vacation or they, you know, whatever it is interrupts their life. And now they're, they're off. And that goal is no longer, the top goal anymore. And that's kind of what I mean. Like it's the top of the pyramid. And when your goal becomes the top of the pyramid, you, get you can it, really you get like, it done. Yeah. It, yeah right. it ignites your life. But eventually something else takes the place of the top of the pyramid and that goal falls away. Yeah. But if it's two or three or four on that pyramid, it's like, we can do this four or five times a week. Absolutely. Can't we? Absolutely. You know, and that's why especially it's, if it's a minimal. Yeah. Especially if it's a minimal sure. amount. You're not, you can't ask yourself to do too much. The other thing that was uh, like an unlockable for me, as far as like your ability to understand, to see the world a different way, which yeah. is what we're talking about. Absolutely. Um, James Clear's Atomic Habits when he talks about identity okay. habits, right? Yeah. It's like you're trying to learn a language, mm -hmm. right? In this case, it'd be like, I'm trying to value my health better, right? And it's like, I'm getting in shape. 
is like a, a fleeting uh, value as well, right? Like yeah. you can say I'm learning how to play guitar. Mm-hmm. And um, if you're learning how to play guitar, the amount of people that have seen like my guitar in my room and been like, you play guitar? I'm like, yeah, just not very well. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I can strum the strings. Sure. You yeah. know, I can play it. Yep. Uh, but you could say like, yeah, I'm learning how to play guitar. And there's no accountability to that. Absolutely. You could be learning it forever, right? Yep. I could be trying to lose 30 pounds for five years. Yeah. There's many but if, people that are. But yeah. if you say, like, I'm a musician, well, a musician has to play the guitar. Okay. Right? I am a disciplined person. Yeah. It means you have to make sure you do those things that would require discipline. Yeah. And so if you can just change the phrasing on how you identify yourself internally, yeah. like, I'm working on becoming a better this, or I'm working on learning how to learn, like, just say I speak Spanish. Yeah. I would take If you that, say I speak Spanish, you're yeah. going to have to learn Spanish. I would take that, and I, I completely agree. I think the one thing, too, because it's... it's not dissimilar from a positive affirmation, sure. right? Kind of giving yourself an affirmation every day, which I think is good and I think works. Um, but I think there's a lot of times there's this little part of you back behind that's saying, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're full of shit. Yeah, you're lying yeah, to yeah, yourself. Yeah. You're a fucking liar. <laughs> yeah. And and I think we're just like, no, I am, I am a disciplined person. We try to override it, override sure. it, override it. And I think trying to engage with that other voice and figuring out what it is that really is holding you back from being that disciplined person. Like the belief can be, I'm a disciplined person. And my positive affirmation is I am a disciplined person. And then there's this thing behind you that's just like, yeah, for now, but you then, know, but yeah, but, and, and but you have to tie that to an action, right? But so engaging now like, with it is what I mean. It's mm-hmm. not, it's so much that this you're, you're trying to take a negative and overcome it with the positive. Sure. Right. And I think it works. I think maybe it would be more effective and this is where I'm interested. And so I'm not saying I'm right. I'm saying this no. is what I'm, what I'm interested in myself. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's more effective to combine that with investigating why that negative belief exists in the first place. Sure. If we can investigate why that negative belief is back there saying you're not fucking disciplined, then maybe I can figure out that, well, if I can figure out what that is, that's a, because it could be something that happened when you're a kid. It could be sure. something that your parents said to you and you just don't even realize it was like, Oh, you know, somebody, my football coach said, you're just a lazy son of a bitch, you know, and that's, sure. that's the thing that's stuck with me. And it's like, mm-hmm. you didn't realize it, but it's what's been fueling you from behind for a long time. And so mm-hmm. if you can engage with that, I think it allows the positive affirmation to take hold stronger. Mm-hmm. I think. I, and, and with that, I would say that like all that makes perfect sense to yeah. me and in, in the form of, for me personally, I'll just use myself as, sure. a, as the uh, case study here. Um, my, I'm only as disciplined as my last 10 decisions I've made. Yeah. And so I just look at, take inventory of what yesterday looked like and what today looked like. And yeah. I can tie my discipline to just that. Yeah. And so like, if I've done these things and I can say I'm a disciplined person, if mm-hmm. I don't do these things, well then you have to start because you obviously are a disciplined person. Yeah. I think just removing friction from, you know, things that are causing you to be undisciplined helps for too, sure. You know, for so sure. that's like, all part of it too. Yeah. yeah. Your environment you create for yourself. Yeah, for sure. People make it hard on themselves to lose weight because it's like they, you know, have the habit of going to quick trip every day and, well, and buying part of their identity too. Yeah. yeah I'm buying, a quick trip guy. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a foodie. I mean, I'd went through all that, yeah. you know, I for sure. Dude, I had a food blog. Yeah. Did you? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I nice. didn't even tell anybody about it. It was this whole separate page, man. That's all right. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, anyways, dude, Kyle uh, hates me for having that food blog. <laughs> I go, I go, you're kind of like a heroin addict. That's got like a page to like talking about heroin. <laughs> someone, someone has reached out to me about, uh, Kyle's heroin, uh, reference. Oh, really? It was like, it's totally <laughs> like that, dude. <laughs> and, I was like, and I was like, I mean, kind of. I mean, like, 
you're just somebody that has a bad relationship with food. I mean, I don't know. I, I, it's like, I don't know. It's if not I go like heroin because you don't, <laughs> yeah. you don't have to have heroin to survive. Yeah. So, dude, I'm like, not sure. having withdraws when I go in on 75 hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I, and again, that's part of the moderation deal. Yeah. You know and what and I mean? 75 hard can be taken like you did with moderation mm-hmm. or it can be it's, taken to that extreme yeah, discipline. To follow a diet. What's yeah. a diet that's going to be best yeah. helping you with whatever it is you're exactly. trying to achieve. Exactly. That's the big thing that I was trying to, you know, tell people because I've had so many people reach out to me about it because I posted about it and it's like, yeah, it, it is what you need in yeah. your life. Like from, from a standpoint of like, it can be, it can be as extreme as you need, or it can be as moderate as you need. You know what I'm saying? And you yeah. just kind of have to self-evaluate and make sure that you're applying the right pressure to get the most out of it. You yeah. Know? I think the risk, the risk becomes with 75 hard that you get a high off of the 75 hard. Like we were talking about, I'm a badass because I mm-hmm. did 75. So I'm going to do another cycle. Right. A phase one or a phase two and or a phase three. But it's, what are you chasing? You're chasing that feeling of I'm a badass yeah. because I'm disciplined, you know, because I'm sticking to this, which there's nothing wrong with, but like you could put that towards another use, like a different type, type of discipline, a different totally. goal, like we talked about, you know? I mm-hmm. think, I think the big thing is you, you do something like 75 hard, you give yourself a break period and you evaluate, you know, the, the, the carryover discipline that you get out of it. Right. Yeah. So when I go back to, you know, regular life, quote unquote, once the, you know, top of my pyramid is no longer 75 hard and it's something else. Yep. What am I retaining as far as discipline? Yeah. You know, does that, does that have carry over in my normal life? Because that, that's the ultimate goal. Like I said, you know, that's where you're trying to get to the point where you don't have to think about, am I a disciplined person? Yes. It's just, you are, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so what's at the top of your pyramid right now? <sighs> that's a tough one, man. That is a tough one. Um, set yourself up for it, dog. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, it's it's sh- it shifts. I'd say I've got some competing ones up there. But if I were to say that I had a, a one goal that I was trying to understand or trying to achieve, right? It's a it's a deeper understanding, a deeper acceptance of myself. And I think that's that's my number one goal right now. With that comes you know family and comes income and other goals that are there. But understanding why I'm driven to succeed, understanding why, um, you know, seeing something on social media and that twinge of jealousy pops in or that mm-hmm. twinge of irritation triggers here and there. Yeah. I want to know. I want to know why I, I, I consider total freedom to be a freedom from those things. Sure. Um, and that's what I'm interested in. If I could think the most valuable thing that I could get in my life, it's not necessarily money and monetary success and things like that, because we all know people that are rich that are miserable. Sure. Mm-hmm. I'd rather be so free that I walk down the streets like the crazy people that are on drugs and they don't care about what anybody else thinks. I'd like that every day for myself. And I don't, I don't have that right now. What are you working, right. uh, you know, how are you going about, you know, getting to that space? A lot of it's a, uh, the steps that you take on that. Yeah. It's, Cause I think everybody here is, that's a, a unbelievably worthwhile cause. And I sure. also appreciate you sharing it with us on yeah. here. No, so no. The social media one for sure. Cause it's like impossible to pop open your phone and look at social media and Absolutely. not have that, not have some kind of an emotional reaction to something that you see. There. There's some kind of comparison yeah. happening so we'll, every time. Yeah. We'll take that for example. Like, you know, I, I open my phone and somebody's got a new car or something that I don't have, you know, or they have land. Like you've got some land, right? Mm-hmm. I see your land. I'm like, man, that would be nice. And you know, on the surface, the positive affirmation can be, you know, well, that's cool. You know, I like Kyle. I'm glad he has this. And then behind there's this, man, I really want that. Why don't I have that yet? You know, yeah, you know, this and I is feel shit. And so I kind of, I actually just kind of sit there and I want to feel it in my body, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. cause there's, there's a mental side of it. There's a physical, 
physical side of it as well. And so I want to, I want to know both of them for the most part. I know what's kind of going on in my head for the most part. I know there's a jealousy there, but I'll ask questions like, what is it I'm jealous about? You know, what is, what is it here? But it's ultimately, it's a feeling. And I think sitting with that feeling for a long enough period of time, encountering that feeling, uh, and being comfortable with it, not trying to get rid of it. Right. Sure, Cause sure. I think, I think naturally I identify to, it and proportional meaning to yeah, it. We try, we try to push these things away. You know, I feel anxious. I feel jealous. I feel irritated. Mm-hmm. I don't want to feel that way. And then just immediately disassociate. Yeah. And disassociate, <laughs> but those feelings are still there. Right. right? And they're right. still running your life. You just are kind of not aware of that. So the first step is awareness, you know, becoming aware of my jealousies, becoming aware of what's running my life, becoming aware of where my drivers are. You know, if you can push my buttons by showing me something, I'm not free. I'm not in control because you can get an emotional reaction out of me. And even if I try to pretend there's not one, it's, I'm only interested in my own personal, like not what you think, but I, whether or not there is an emotional reaction and whether it controls me, because you can't take the emotional reaction away, but you can at least become comfortable with it to the point where it's not controlling you anymore. Correct. That makes sense. Of course. There's definitely things. These are all things I've had to worry about on on social media that'll like, you know, bother me for days. Yeah. And then I'm like, you know, and uh, uh, it's just one of those things where it's like that is that is definitely a downside of social media because yeah. it's like, you know, if I just didn't look at that, then yep. I don't have that problem, yeah. <laughs> you know. And it goes, I mean, and it goes for everybody in every field. I yeah. mean, it's fitness people look at other people that look good. And I mean, even if you look awesome, you yeah. still are starting to feel, you know, bad about yourself. Or oh, the second comparing then. Comparing yourself. And so yeah. it's ultimately. You gain com- five pounds. You're yeah. like, oh. Yeah. You know what does it to me the most is, uh, is like. Dude, the news. Yeah, the news is bad. The news, it'll bother me. I haven't watched me. the news in over two years, dude. <laughs> I'll read something. I'm like, dude. Not at one time. Are, is it, are we that dumb as yeah. a country? Like, you know, it's just kind of, it's like depressing. It is. You know? it well, is. dude, their whole purpose of it is to make their problems your problems. For sure. I get it. I, it is their business model. So yes. that's what I remind myself yes. of. I'm like, they want me to feel like that because if I feel like that, what am I going to do? Pay well, attention to it more. If there's controversy, they want you to listen yeah. to it. If it I would leads, almost, it leads. I mean, it just keeps going. I mean, like, I hate that I don't have, a, in my mind, a trusted news source that if I wanted to learn the news, I could go watch it. But if yeah. I just never watch it, I never listen to it. And I've talked about this on the podcast. It's just my personal point of view. If you don't agree, I totally understand. But, man, why are we trying to make somebody else's problems your problems? Vote in your local elections. Vote in your national elections. Do what yeah. you can, and that's all you can do. Yeah. I would take what you're talking about with the news. And, again, take this as, you know, I'm learning myself. But it, I would try and find out what it is that bothers you so much. But go deeper. Like, mm-hmm. they're fucking up the economy. Right. Okay. So what is it about a fucked up economy that hurts me? Well, it might hurt my money. Okay, what is it about having less money or being at risk it for makes, my businesses? Yeah. A problem. Like, what what does that do to me? Okay, well, uh, you know, then I'm at risk of not having enough money or, or you know, my business is shutting down. Okay, so what what if my business is shut down? You know, then what what happens to me? Well, then, and I think you can, you can keep going and keep going until you follow this rabbit hole, until you find, like, the pinpoint of, like, where it starts, where it's, I want security. Mm-hmm. I want to feel safe. You know, and having money makes me feel safe and having a good economy makes me feel safe. And when it's not like that, I don't feel safe. Yeah. And so I think that then you can be like, okay, it's a, it's a feeling of safety that I'm really after here. Mm-hmm. And they're scaring me with the economy being bad. Correct. And so that's a, but what if the shit hits the fan? Yeah. You're the kind of person that's going to handle it. Yeah. You know, so those, those kind of thoughts too, like, okay, what would I do? The reinforcing thoughts where yeah. it's like, yeah, yeah. You know, that, that could be a possibility, but like if, yeah. if you have X, Y, and Z in place and yeah. you're good to go. Yeah. What would I do? Worst case scenario, I lose all my money. I lose my family. What do I do? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a homeless person with nothing and nobody knows who I am. And what do I do with my life? I go sit on a bench somewhere. Yeah. You know, I go to the beach, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I've thought about it and I'm just like, 
you know, worst case scenario, what do I do? Well, I mean, there's, they can take away a lot, but like I can go sit on the beach for free, you know, and I can go sit on a park bench and, and watch the animals or watch the people walk by. And that's not terrible for Mm -hmm. the most part. And I can survive that. So if I know my plan, shit hits the fan, world ending, you know, apocalyptic, you know, maybe I'll enjoy the view, you know, or something like that. I like that. That that is, that is one thing that, uh, you know, me and my wife have talked about in the past is that because we were so poor together for such a long period of time that we're like, um, it's kind of like our superpower, you know, together, um, that, you know, Hey, worst case scenario, we've already been more poor than we probably ever will even come close to being, you know, in the future. And so that is like, that's just a reassuring, a reassuring feeling. We've we've grinded this. We've experienced this. We'll get through whatever. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, I think, you know, that you can handle it. And I think that there's, there's a view in life where you can reinterpret everything as this is the best thing that's happened to me or not the best. This is a good thing. Yeah. You know, this is good for my life. You know, my business went under. Well, that's, that's a good thing for me. Oh, you know? it's the old Jocko good. Yeah. How yeah. can you, how, but how could you actually, could you really believe it though? Yeah. Not just saying it. Cause we sure, talked about sure. it. But could you actually believe there's this the affirmation is, and then there's the, I'm putting it into practice. Yeah. And so how can you put it into practice? Like something goes wrong and it's like, how can you view this as, well, that's, that's the best thing that could happen for me mm-hmm. because what just, what did this just teach me? Yeah. What did it teach me? What's my opportunity? What's, what's going to go on? And you have to view life in a, in a different frame of reference, right? If you view it as who has the most toys and who has the, the best life and things like that, you know, Paris Hilton's got it going on, you know, probably doesn't work. She's got a bunch of money. She lives like this luxurious life and I'm never going to have a life like that. But I also think it would be really interesting to grow up as, you know, somebody that lived in India you yeah, know, and sure. what they experienced in India growing up and their different type of religion. Maybe they were super poor and, but sometimes they're the happiest people that you meet too, because they don't have a whole lot, but they've made a lot of it. And trying to determine for me, trying to determine what the best life is, has been an interesting thing because I could sell supplements or I could go do something else. And that would be interesting. There's a lot of things I'd like. I'd like to do real estate. I think real estate would be fun. Mm-hmm. I'd like to travel the world to be, to be honest, you know, and do something like that. Um, but I can't say what the best life would be. I just know that I can't change what's happening. So whatever's happening. The more experiences you put yourself in front of the narrative uh-huh. feels like the more perspective you can have. For sure. For sure. On what the best life for you would be. Or you experience yeah. more. And so. Well, I think you can, you can have a vision of, of what you like for the most part. But I think if you're too tied into that vision, you get disappointed when you don't get it. Oh, yeah. You way too. I mean? Way too. Uh, why, why put those giant expectations mm-hmm. on something? Yeah. It's like that vacation. You get there finally and you're just like, oh, my kids are screaming. It's not what I imagined. I you didn't know? even. Um, so we're going to. My girlfriend and I are leaving for South Africa next Wednesday. Nice. Right. Ten nice. days. I've never even been anywhere else i just went to outside the country for the first time like last year yeah i went to mexico i've never been outside which is like not even being outside the country that's right we're we're, we're trying to figure out a mexico trip for our family i was literally like like, man you were really locked in if you've never been to mexico never been to mexico Mexico. Mexico's fun dude yeah we're planning we're planning on a trip to go down to cancun or something with the family sure yeah and that's what he you know he's rocking one of those trips coming up soon and those are a great time i had had an awesome time doing it right uh this one's gonna be like whoa South Africa. Oh, and yeah. I didn't even look up like what we were doing until we were on the podcast. I feel like, didn't we do this on the podcast? You're going on a meerkat uh, safari. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Sunrise safari. Dude, uh, sunrise we're going safari. on a safari to also like see that they call the big five, which is lions, lemurs, um, rhinos, elephants, and like one more, maybe a leopard or a cheetah or something. Yeah. Dude, don't get eaten. Yeah. I try not you to, know? but yeah. the bottom line is like, dude, taking these kind of trips, mm-hmm. you're like, I don't know what I'm going to see as far as perspective goes, but it's just like, dude, I don't want to look into it too much because I don't yeah. want to have expectations of the trip. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to South Africa. I'm going to like be in the moment, see what I need to see, what yeah. you know, do what they tell me to do. 
do what feels good in the moment and go home and not, you know, like it had, like if I, you know, missed this tour to get to this other thing or I didn't get to eat at that special restaurant because yep. it was full. I don't care. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like exactly like, Oh man, like that brunch spot. That's so popular. Dang. I didn't get to have that Nashville photo in front of the wings yeah. or whatever. The- <laughs> well, imagine, imagine, you know, you know the, people, about. the people that are just traveling around, like the people, they have nothing tied to their name, their life's in a backpack. Totally. You know, it's not a bad total life. nomad. Yeah. You think about it though. And I yeah. mean, it's, there's an adventure there. There's a connection with community there. There's new people you'd never experience otherwise. And I'm like, if that's the worst thing that could happen in my life, you know, that, that I have to live a life like that, I could handle it, you Mm -hmm. know? And so whatever happens, you know, all of a sudden you don't have as much money. All of a sudden a new bill comes in. I got medical bills. You know, my wife had surgery. It's all sorts of stuff. And you know, you can let it affect you. And I think there's, there's nothing wrong with it affecting you. Right. But I think that having that perspective change where you can just, mellow choose out. to look at it differently yeah. yeah do you think that with the social media I'm like this is maybe a little off subject here but i'm like dude do you think with social media and mental health the way things have gone yep do you think we're going to go back to an era and look at it like we're all going to turn around and laugh and be like man like how we used to you know we grew up and like you could smoke inside restaurants yeah it was totally normal know, crazy the smoking section yep. of a restaurant was common yep and uh you could buy cigarettes on the way to the bathroom oh yeah totally common and we're I gonna look the ba- smoking on planes is the funniest one. Yeah, like, yeah dude. We're, there's so many examples of this, but I'm saying in this scenario, I just look at the amount of people that when we were able to take photos with our phones mm-hmm. that were actually pretty damn good photos, yeah. right? The amount, like we just had at least a decade of time where it then became, especially when stories became a thing, right? Yep. It's like the FOMO syndrome for just sure. giving it to everybody is no one's present in the moment and everybody's looking at how they can show themselves having the most fun possible without ever truly being in the moment, being present, experiencing the moment, Yep. but literally being so completely dedicated to just trying to look like they're having a good time. Yep. And man, when you watch it happening in front of your face and like girls like TikTok dancing, like at, at the chiefs game versus yeah. watching the chiefs game in my head, I'm just like, what is Yeah. like, man, when is this going to stop? Yeah. This that's is a, a failing value, like for sure. Like social media is definitely a, a problem, right? Mental health wise. And there's, there's definitely the positives, right? You know, mm-hmm. when everything's happening in the world, TikTok, as much as I'm not a fan of like the TikTok app itself, you know, East Palestine had the train crash or whatever, dude, within minutes, hundreds and thousands of videos were up, you know, documenting this and spreading the information. Sure. And like, just imagine, you know, 9-11 happens today. And oh, dude, that was you've got, you've got 10,000 videos yeah. of right. these things happening and everything going on, which is a completely different experience and shared instantly. Yeah, a million reporters be, right yeah, there on the ground. People that were live, live yeah. feeds. So information sharing is, is at the highest it's ever been, which I think is the coolest thing possible. I mean, even even for like the government. It's amazing. It's amazing. Like conspiracy theory side, like the best thing that could happen is transparency. You know, a cell phone that you can take a picture and a video with anywhere in the world and share it instantly online. Like that's the best thing to keep a government in check that you've ever done, you know, because otherwise they're hiding shit mm-hmm. the whole time. But on the mental health side, right, I think there's a problem. And... I think it's, I think for lack of better terms, I think it's the next phase of human evolution. I think that that will be a problem we'll encounter. And I think that because we encounter it, maybe not in our lifetimes, maybe, maybe it will, but because we encounter it, it becomes a new focus on mental health, a new focus on being present, a new focus on not getting your, your, you know, credibility or, you know, approval from, from social media. uh, Do you think things like uh, the metaverse is going to, um, 
help this or you think it's going to continue this to make it even worse? Because I'm like, when does it end? Yeah. I'm curious. Right? Like, how deep are we going down? Yeah. I'm curious with the metaverse to see what it turns into. It could easily turn into like the Ready Player One where, you know, you're putting on this persona and you're trying to give your best best foot forward on social sure. media kind of thing, which is what's going on right now. Right. But I think a lot of people are getting to the stage where, you know, you and I are talking about right now where it's like we're questioning the mental health aspect of what we're doing already. And I think social media amplifies that and makes it faster. And I think that that's, that's where the good part is, mm-hmm. right? Social media makes this conversation happen a lot quicker. And maybe, you know, you're 20 years old, you get on TikTok, and you start doing a bunch of TikTok dances, and maybe you wake up faster to the fact that you're trying to get approval from other people on social media because there's so much more bombarded at you earlier. It's like, it's like advertising. Like I talk about, you know, boomers are terrible at figuring out if something's real or fake on the internet, mm-hmm. you sure. know, but we grew up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Kind of with this like built in, you know, bullshit detector to some degree. Right. And I think this next generation that grows up solely on the Internet, if they don't figure out a way to fuck them up worse intentionally, will come through it with calluses, you know, a way to encounter this without it letting them affect. Well, them. dude, you know, I, I interviewed a kid this morning and we were talking about social media and he's like, yeah, I'm not really on social media. Yeah. I meet more and more younger. There's kids a lot of people that are saying that are just yeah. like, yeah, mm-hmm. it doesn't really. Yeah. It's almost, and I, you also meet a lot of kids too that are, that, you know, my sister was like this. She was like, um, ew, you post stories, yeah. you know, like, or, you know, they just, they, you know how kids are. They, they yeah. find weird things that they get latched onto yep. and they make, they, they make decisions on what's cool and what's not cool. Sure. And now there's all those different types of things that are happening in social media. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting because, you know, now you'll, you'll see kids and they just post, you know. They don't post stories. They just post things on their walls, and it's like three random pictures that don't have anything to do with each other. Yeah, and right. There's with no, with caption. no caption. And they're, <laughs> like, they're like art. That's uh, art. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. which is like they're a, so unique. That's like Minimalism. The, that's I'm, like the I'm ori- different. That's like the original. Like what? Like if I go all Instagram the way back one. on my Instagram, yeah. it's yep. like Instagram 1.0. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It's like pictures like it's that. It's just getting back to that. Like, man, we should get rid of stories and, and comments Listen, and yep. just. I'm just gonna take a picture of this bottle and like throw a sweet filter on it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Dude, that's like, uh, I mean, that's us using a Polaroid camera. Yeah. True. You know, it's like, ah, nostalgia. Nostalgia. Yep. Just posting a photo, dude. We're so weird. We're so different. I know. My I know. gosh. Anyway, dude, that was, that was a good conversation, man. Yeah. The, uh, the last thing that we always ask guests on our podcast, um, and this works well for you since you, you have family that live in Kansas City, but what is your favorite Kansas City barbecue? You guys aren't really going to like me here because I haven't tried many of them. Oh, yeah. You can't weigh it. Jack, what is it? Jack Stack? Yeah. Jack Stack was Phenomenal. great. Jack Stack's good. It was dude. great. That's, Should have that's, before you leave town. That's probably the only one I've had, to be fair. <laughs> Jack Stack's <laughs> what are, really What good. are the other but ones here, that are up here? Well, here's there's a good Gates, one. Right? Joe's, Gates. Yeah. I used the Gates barbecue sauce when I was dieting. There you go. Because it was not real barbecue sauce. Like real, it's like, maybe it's, maybe it is real barbecue sauce, but it's uh-huh. not the sugar barbecue no, sauce. It's like ketchup base. It's like ketchup base. Yeah. There's very little sugar in it. So it was just like, you know, some, some sugar from the better than a G Hughes, you yeah. know, molasses, you know, sweet, sweet baby rays or something that's just pouring on there. Sweet so baby rays I don't, I don't so care good. who you are, man. Sweet baby rays. Delicious. It's so delicious. Good. Delicious. Yeah. It's straight sugar. But yep. let's talk Wichita then. If yep. we're going to go to Wichita and you're going to have a treat, you're uh-huh. like, you've been really good. You deserve to have whatever you want meal. What do you yep. want to have? You know, unfortunately, Wichita is not really the hub of like local restaurants that take over. You know, I think Wichita which attends will get enticed by the chains very easily. Sure. Uh, but there is one that I, I've, I've loved, you know, since I was a child, it's called Jimmy's diner. Okay. And Jimmy's a local diner and it's not 
the nicest. It's kind of crappy and a old. dive, if you it's will. A dive, but hey, but dude, I, I love a good diner, and that's diners, drive-ins, and dives. Like, uh, you know, somebody comes in town and they're like, "Hey, let's grab some food. Where do you want to go?" I'm like, yeah, "Let's go to Jimmy's, man." You know. What's your go-to there, dude? Uh, yeah, an omelet. It's no, no. It's pink. Uh, let's see, let's see. I, I love grits, so I get. I usually will get grits, fried apples. I'll get two fried eggs. Apples. Fried apples are delicious. Just right? throwing that out there. Yeah, yeah. grits, yeah. fried apples, eggs over medium, um, sausage or bacon. Usually pancakes with it. So, Respect. Yeah, love have, it. Have you ever had doodah? I've never had doodah, bro. Yeah. That, that I've heard. I've heard it's really what about good. Really get, if you want to get type two diabetes, yeah. you go doodah. It's not in my bubble. I have a bubble in Wichita where I don't go more than like five miles yeah. anywhere, and so that's not in my bubble. So yeah. I'll go there eventually, but it's just one of those we just put it off. And I think they close early. Right? Yeah, they kind of got a weird schedule, and also they don't like take reservations, and so we sat in a line for like an yeah. hour, and yeah. it was awesome. I've heard it's awesome. Yeah, doodah, it's awesome. Doodah. Yeah. What are they at? like? Like a uh, camp town lady sing this song. I think it's a it's a Wichita thing, doodah. I think so. Uh, That's the only other time I've ever heard that phrase is from that song. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Camp Town Lady. Camp Town Lady, sing this song, doodah, doodah. Do Come yep. on, dude. I I uh, <laughs> I had I had the uh, Camp Town Lady brioche French toast when blazing I was saddles. There. Okay, so good. Yeah, so good. Oh yeah. Uh, my my problem usually is that as I've it's an interesting side effect of not bodybuilding anymore is that I've allowed the binges to go away. Right. Yeah. Cause when you get a cheat meal as a bodybuilder, it's like you just they eat every fucking thing you can eat, make it count. And so now I'm like, you know, what is, what's my stomach feel like? Is it full? Oh, that is full. I guess I could be done right now. Yeah. And so I've, I've developed a little bit more of like a stomach satiety that I didn't ever have before. Right. Because sure. your stomach will just stretch, especially like post show. Oh just yeah. Tremendous amount. But my biggest problem nowadays, is I'm just like, man, I'm going to, get too full if I go to these places. They're just because I want to eat everything on my plate. Yeah. But Same. they give you just massive portions. And you're like, dude, I'm gonna Especially I need like the go be out of breath. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like when you're so full, you're like, I can't breathe full because my stomach's so big. I don't know if everybody else has that. Just me. No, that's like it's, <laughs> I think it's like, <laughs> Jeff talks about that. Okay. Good, good. I mean like dude, if you get full, you can't like do things. Absolutely dude. Yeah. There's one time I was dieting. I purposely walk after my meals just to digest better. <laughs> yeah. I was dieting for a show one time and I had, and my refeed was that I could eat as many carbs as I wanted in like three hours. Right. And that's the coach I was working with. That was his strategy. And I was like, all right, let's, let's do this. Let's see what I can do as many, you know, pop tarts and like everything you could possibly eat. Did they have to be low fat? Yeah, they were low fat, high sh- high sugar for the most part. So pancakes were good. Pop tarts, low fat pop tarts. Well, Tis like the brown, season. Brown sugar. It's or peep like that. season. Jake. Peeps would have been great. You know, bottle caps. Stop, dude. Would be awesome. God. Let me tell you a story. <laughs> okay. No. <laughs> Kyle was story. due. Kyle was due for a refeed, and I was like, I had the whole team at our at our supplement superstore at the time be like, Kyle, we need you to do this. We need to do a hundred peep challenge. <sighs> Hunter Peep Challenge. He was like so, given a no. no f- I'm like they were the perfect refeed food, bro, food there ever was. No, 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 zero no, 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 fat. No. Cool, cool Jeff's never over here. Right? Jeff's never but dieted for a bodybuilding show, and he doesn't understand how coveted that refeed is. And oh, he's no, like, I definitely understood fill, it. Fill it with all peeps, and I'm like, no, <laughs> yeah, ruin it. it for sure, it. it would ruin it. But it was sure. cool. But it was cool for the gram. Yeah, we would have been cool. So, anyways, yeah. I was he, like, I'll have a couple. He <laughs> took. He, no, he 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 committed to the hundred peep challenge. Yeah, and uh, he only is pretending as if he didn't because he failed fucking miserably. <laughs> and gross, so, I mean, they're gross. I'm yeah. not a peeps fan. But he tried like uh, here's how you do it, right? Like how let's just without saying anything, how would you try to go about eating 100 peeps? How would you do it? The goal is to get through 100 peeps as Correct. fast and easy as possible, right? Not as fast as easy, but just, just you can just either, get, if you enjoy them, enjoy them, right? But just okay. for him he didn't enjoy them. If I didn't enjoy them, I'd probably dunk them in water and eat them. You know what he did? What did he do? He <laughs> He crumbled them all together like a giant apple. And, and put them all in his a, mouth? But like a grapefruit oh. in his hand. 
and they're all balled together and it was eating off of it like it was just like eating an apple. Okay, okay. And like if I hated something, yeah. why would I want to just put it in the biggest form possible yeah. and just put it in my face and I'm, take a I'm bite? Thinking, I'm thinking a little water on these things and I could swallow them like a vitamin yeah, pill dude, without yeah. even like anything. They're little just marshmallows. Just slurp them up. Just slurp it straight down like a spaghetti noodle or something. Yeah. It's giving me flashbacks. He had it's like gross. 16 before he was like, I can't fucking do yeah. this, dude. I can't do this, dude. Yeah. No, I, I was like, this is such a waste. What in the hell am I doing? <laughs> but he did it. But it Wasn't that back in well. the North yeah. store? It was something like that. Dude. Back in the it North store. It might have been into the car. You wouldn't even make it let you get home with them. But yeah. we bought us we bought us peeps for him. Well, that's good. That's that's nice. Anywho, good talking to you, dude. Yeah, man. Um, sincerely appreciate your time today, and uh, it was awesome to get to know you better. Yeah. Um, we want to do one of the, another one of these another time with you sometime soon. And do you have a podcast or anything you would like to plug here? Nothing to plug. You guys can follow me on social. I don't I don't post very often though. What's your go to social for everybody here? Uh, Instagram, just at Jared Ragsdale. I would just tell you from this podcast, you need to, you need to start a podcast. You think so? I think so. Yeah, you got it. You got an interesting interesting perspective on things. Yeah. And you can rattle it off. That's the big thing. Yeah. And that's the hardest part for a lot of guests. Okay. So you're an awesome guest. We appreciate you take, hey, taking man. the time. Also, if, if you're listening to this, uh, Jared's company is called Nutrithority, um, at Nutrithority, yep. I believe on Instagram. De- definitely check them out. Just or like stop, it sounds. By, stop by Supplement Superstores and buy other products. That's right. Yeah. All right, guys. Appreciate your time. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thank Thanks. you, guys. Thanks, guys.